Yep. Hello and welcome to the RF Generation Playcast. This is Ghost 81 with episode 15 for June 2015. In our retro segment, Rich and Steven will once again be joined by special guest Duke Togo to have a chat about Mega Man 2 and 3 for the NES, while over on the modern side, Floyd and I will hop a mass relay into an intense one-on-one discussion about Mass Effect. This podcast, as usual, is more spoiled than your snotty little grandkids. Spoiler alert! As always, you can listen to the show on Podomatic, iTunes, and YouTube, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Remember to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the awesome games we play together. Thank you, as always, for listening, and now, on with the playcast. Welcome back uh, to the June edition of the Retro Playthrough. I'm your host, Rich, and with me still is our good friend, Steven, on the retro side, going to move over to the modern side next month in July. Yep. How's it going, guys? All right. And we've got a special guest. We're welcoming back uh, one of our previous guests, our guest from January in the Kid Icarus uh, discussion. We've got Mr. Duke Togo from the Collector Cast. Hey guys, I I only play Nintendo tapes, so you'll notice the running theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Duke's a big uh, Mega Man fan, so we thought we would have him on the show for sure. And um, sorry to say, we also tried to get Krabby on the show as well, um, just to have a little bit of uh, dichotomy in the podcast because Krabby is a big Mega Man Three fan. Um, he is not afraid to admit it. And, uh, but as a lot of you know who follow us on the site or listen to the Collector Cast, uh, Krabby is, uh, moving Game Quest, uh, this month. So he had very little time to join us, which we certainly understand, but we wish we could have him on and definitely wish him the best of luck in his new store. Looks like it's going to be a great space. So. Well, here's the good news he was wrong anyway, so we'll just save the fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit this show is going to have spoilers, but also this show is going to have a lot of bias as well. So we'll just go ahead and point that out and get that off the um, get that off the table. So I think um, I, I was talking to a friend today about uh, the show tonight, and I, I think that um, you know, depending on a lot of times what games you kind of grow up with, it, it will often um, you know sort of taint your per- perspective on these uh, on these titles and. 
uh, could be the case here, but, you know, we'll see. We'll find out. So, Duke, um, you know, uh, tell us what's going on with Collector Cast. What are you guys, I know you're getting ready to release a new episode. I know you guys are done recording. You want to tell us a little bit uh, what that's about so that uh, people want to check it out. Of course, your your show is going to uh, launch before ours anyway, so... Um, you know, at least, at no least I hope so. There. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, <laughs> if, uh, you know, as a lot of people know, I'm the the uh, the editor for the front page at RF Generation as well as doing this podcast. So, so yeah, get it together, man. I mean, what, what <laughs> hey, gives? hey, 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 I I got my part ready to go. That's all oh, I'll say. Oh, okay, I, some some people dragging their feet. I can't imagine let, who that might be. But let's just say somebody else. I'm waiting for other people. <laughs> But uh, no, we just wrapped up our most recent episode, which hopefully will be coming out relatively soon. Um, and we just kind of slogged through E3. We kind of broke down all the news from the pressers, uh, what we liked, what we didn't care so much for, kind of ups and downs, uh, who we thought the winners were, and uh, just kind of had a good time just, just sussing it out. That's all. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, you know, actually, um, for the last two years, um, you know, you and I and um, and Krabby and... Uh, Floyd and Bill uh, have been kind of going back and forth, you know, with the little texting app. And um, uh, this is the second E3 uh, that we've kind of spent together. And I I always know that because I went to the dentist this year and um, I was in the dental chair for maybe 45 minutes. And I get out to my car and look at my phone and I've got like 165 messages that I haven't checked. That, that's true. That's true. Well, you're the old man that doesn't have a clue uh, to what on earth E3 is all about. You don't watch it all, do you? No, I do. I do. I've watched it the last two years because of you guys. And, um, um, you know, I, I don't, as I've said before, I, I really don't, um, I don't buy new games. I don't buy new systems. But I really like to see, like, what's coming out to kind of stay ahead and to see, you know, what games might be of interest in the future when I when I pick them up, you know? When they're five bucks, um, so um, that's it. How about you, Stephen? What's your uh, interest in E3? Did you watch any, any of it this year? I didn't keep up with it as much as I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. I did see the uh, Bethesda conference. Really liked uh, Fallout Four and the new Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't really see much of the other conferences. I mean, I was really uh, stoked to see a new uh, the work the Kickstarter for the new Shinmu. I've been waiting on that for yeah over yeah. ten years. Uh, yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. I've never right. played a Shenmue game. Uh, we we talked about. It. I think there was some buzz on the forums that we might try to play that on the on the playthroughs. Um, I, I I'm hoping that it becomes a little more has a little more availability so that we could maybe play that. I don't have a Dreamcast I, I, anymore. I think you should have thought about that before because prices have spiked. <laughs> oh, really? That. On the game? Yeah. yeah. People are out looking for it and Shenmue mm-hmm. Two now. Yeah. To prep. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, I had it and and I, I sold it. I think I found a copy for like two bucks or something in a Goodwill. Shimu. Yeah, it was and, real was really cheap. Yeah, and then I got uh, I had a Dreamcast, but I sold it to Krabby so he could open up his store. I wasn't playing it, so I was like, uh, you know, I'll have Krabby. Got, I think I've got I think I've got an extra Dreamcast. If you just remind me when I see you here in a few months, I can I can bring one to you. Oh yeah, that's right. We need to have a big. Uh, game trade up when we meet that would be, that'd be yeah sure awesome. well, i think i've got a couple extra so you can just have it all right cool cool i'll, I'll keep you to that sure all right well um before we get started um you know you host the collector cast so any interesting pickups lately either you or steven <laughs> oh man um nothing Since you guys don't terribly. do small scores anymore <laughs> yeah i mean uh <laughs> nothing crazy exciting for me i mean you sent me a little care package oh, right sure, yeah 
So um, you want to tell people the nice little goodies that you dropped, some Famicom goodies for me? Yeah, Famicom goodies. Um, I'm trying to remember what was in there. Uh, it was uh, on Yankio Town. Uh, wedding Bells. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, Korth. Yep, Korth. And the, and the other one, I can't remember. It's like this this kid that like... It's like a platform where he like kind of chews bubble gum and and stuff. It's kind of yeah. Odd. I can't I can't remember the name of it. We'll have to because it has like an all Japanese title. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, uh-huh. exactly. But Korth is great. I was really excited. I'm glad you sent that. I was going to pick that one up at some point in time. Yeah, um, I've played it before. It's kind of like weird reverse Tetris. Yeah, it's on. It's um, on. Um, and on the Game Boy as well. Yeah, we got it. We got mm-hmm. it on yeah, Game Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, for some reason, little, we just never got the card. Kind of little here. puzzle Tetris shooter sort of deal. Kind of neat. Yeah, weird mashup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very strange, but, um, but fun. I picked up a couple uh, Super Nintendo games um, recently. I'm trying to even think if I can remember what they were. It's been a few weeks back. Um, I even have, haven't even had a time to really play them yet, so uh, unfortunately I can't remember them off the top of my head. But nothing too terribly exciting. I got a, um, a release of a prototype NES game. Um, I just got that in the mail the other day. Oh, that, yeah? Are uh, you collecting prototypes? It's not a real prototype. Okay. It's like a a, re- a release from the people that have the prototype. They did a cart release on it, okay. so well, it's uh, like an American Sammy yeah. fighting game. I went to my retro store today, and the guy just pulled in three prototype games. Got oh, wow. sold them really? to him. So uh, he's looking to get rid of them. I don't know what he's going to be asking yet, and he kind of doesn't have a clue about price. But I think he kind of wants to put them in the store for a while. So I'll, I'll let you know what's there and. I don't know if anybody. I think Conquest of the Crystal Palace, Thundercade, and uh, another that kind of escapes me right now. So usually, you know, a lot of what determines price on those A is, of course, you know, desirability. Is, sure. it, is it a desirable title? Yeah. And B, is there a lot of prototypes out there already? Because yeah. some of them, there's a bunch of samples that are out, and mm-hmm. some of them, you know, you don't. And it's also. If he happens to know if it's any different than the release version, that can also drive up the price. Sure, sure, yeah. I, I got an Atari prototype of Gremlins, and uh, it was probably worth about 75 bucks at the time. I think it's 100 now. But, you know, it, it's kind of a rare game for the Atari, but the problem was is that it was in the final stage. Uh, but, you know, it's still cool, man. It's an awesome part of my collection. It's one of my favorite things that I found. I got it for like a dollar thirty something cents. So <laughs> I would yeah. yeah, I would love to have an NES prototype uh, at some point in time if I could find one that was reasonable. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So all right. Um anything, Steven? Did you pick up anything recently? I know you and um you and Sean, Grey Ghost eighty one, our modern host, uh been doing some uh trading back and forth or whatnot. Yeah, I uh I don't know. What did I send him? I don't even remember. Oh, I sent him a bunch of PSP games. That's right. That's right. Yep. And uh, I really don't remember what he sent me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was a bunch of random games, some PS2 and uh, GameCube and uh, other things. Uh, uh, nothing too noteworthy, but some stuff I was looking for. Um, did recently pick up a Retron 5, so I'm getting into the import scene myself. Awesome. Yeah, cool. got, cool. just got my first bundle of Super Famicom games today uh, in the mail. Um, Including Rockman 7, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. Rockman 7. So much more affordable. Yeah, I, I, just, I, was, <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. pay $150, $200 for a Super Nintendo version, so I just got the Super Famicom. Yeah. Seriously, uh, yeah. Got a bunch of RPGs like uh, Final Fantasy V and Burning Heroes and a few other things. Cool. Final Fantasy V is great. Yeah, I've played it before. It's been a long time. I think I played it on. I played the uh, PlayStation port. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Yes. Play play uh play patched version. Yeah, I got uh, Final Fantasy four, five, and six on Super Famicom, like looking like pa- practically new, boxed, and mm-hmm. through a twist of fate, didn't end up costing me anything. But uh, yeah, even if I had paid, it wouldn't. You know, I couldn't even pick one of those up from the U.S. side <laughs> for the price. Oh yeah, I, I got uh five and six in this bundle, and they they were like maybe five bucks a piece. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. yeah. Really cheap. Didn't I see that you got a copy of Shining Force 2 completing box recently as well? I, I did. I got one uh, awesome. very recently. We were talking um, about that. I was supposed to be looking for your copy, but of course yeah. I found one. You, you, yeah. you moved on that pretty quick. So, Is that some foreshadowing? Um, Maybe. I, I would like to. The price is a little bit up there, but I guess loose. Maybe it wouldn't be too bad. Maybe we better do that quick. <laughs> it's Well, it's on, uh, it's on that Sonic's Ultimate Genesis oh, collection. Okay. Probably on... Probably on some others as well, oh, so awesome. it's not it's not expensive to yeah, find. Yeah, that's what, about a $20 game, I think? If PS3. that. You can yeah. probably pick it up cheaper than that used. Yeah, we may have to do that. I, I wouldn't mind maybe revisiting it uh, maybe on the anniversary, year anniversary maybe, doing something like that, Stephen. Oh, yeah, sure. If, yeah, yeah. I uh, I recently picked up uh, Shining Force, the, uh, the first game complete in box. I already had the cart. Um, but I found a copy for under 30 bucks. I swiped off of eBay, so that was uh, pretty cool. Um, Beauty. Yeah. Now, I was surprised that you guys, uh, I think when I was listening to that, like none of you guys had played Shining in the Darkness? No, no. I owned oh, it at one time, I think, and I ended up selling it because I just didn't know a lot about it, and it, it had some pretty decent value, and I wanted to get you know traded in for some other stuff I wanted. So. You should, guys should uh, check that one out. It's not very expensive, and I think it's also like on one of those collections or something. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's a different kind of game, but I mean, it's that same team that that put it together. So yep, yep. I've been on a tear getting PS3 games. Of course, you know I got my PS3 in December, and I'm already over 50 games now. It's kind of crazy, but. Uh, you know, you know, I could mention, you know, just for talking next gen. So now you could get an Xbox One and then you'd also be able to play Xbox 360 games. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. That might just be the saying. move. That might be the move I'll have to make. Uh, just instead saying. Of buying 360. Those those are like 80 bucks right now, I think. Like, yeah, they're pretty cheap. So so they're not too bad. Um, I picked up uh, Fallout 3 and New Vegas today for under 10 bucks. Got both of them. Sweet. So awesome. Yeah. Those games are so awesome. Yeah, I, I've never played one before, so... You know, I, and and then you know, I saw the E3 trailer, and um, you know, it, it kind of caught my attention. I was like, "Wow, it looks like it'd be a pretty good storyline." So I mean, I'll check it out. You know, it's worth putting in my collection. Um, it's like a big time sink. Just be ready. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the other thing is, um, I picked up a copy of Final Fight Two for twenty five bucks, which I thought was a good deal on that. Oh, hey, yeah. Label's a little bit rougher than I would like, but it's it's not terrible. It plays and. You know, I'm pretty happy about that. So that's cool. Yeah. You own Dark Souls yet? Yes. Yes. You you have Demon Souls? Yes. I own Dark Souls get, one get, and two, Demon Souls. I need to play. Get busy. Them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Get busy. Uh-huh. Too much other stuff to play right now, so... Whatever, man. Speaking of too much other stuff to play, maybe we should start <laughs> talking about Mega Man 2 and 3 before we uh, we have a three-hour call that uh, Floyd uh, kills me on, so... But um, I'll uh, let Steven. Steven was our host this month. He picked uh, the games Mega Man 2 and 3 after we had sort of an outpouring of uh, suggestions uh, on our thread. So I'll let him sort of introduce the uh, games and tell us a little bit about them and their history. Yeah, so everybody knows what Mega Man is, but uh, it's uh, 
It's known as Rockman in Japan for our Japanese listeners, if we have any. Um, so Mega Man is a platforming shooter uh, developed and published by Capcom. Um, number two was released in 1989 in North America. Mega Man 3 was released in 1990 worldwide. Um, pretty straightforward. You just, um, you know, you go, you pick a level at the start of the game, you play through it, defeat a boss, you gain that boss's power, and, uh, you move on to the final Wily stage. Um, this game's probably, uh, really well known. They have a, a massive legacy. It's one of the most, one of the longest running and most pre- prestigious franchises in all of gaming. Uh, Mega Man's one of the most beloved and recognizable characters in gaming. Uh, there's ten games now in the main series. They have the two that were recently released uh, digitally. Um, many side series and spin-off titles. I believe there are over 50 games throughout the entire franchise. And, wow. Uh, approximately 30 million total copies sold worldwide of games with the Mega Man name on them. So I think those numbers speak mm-hmm. for themselves. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Mega Man. Yeah, there you awesome. Yeah, and from and from what I understand, the um, um, the first game didn't sell very well at all. Um, I mean, it was uh, wasn't a very popular title, uh, and the series really took off with Mega Man Two. That was the, the real launching pad for the series. And I can't imagine why the first Mega Man did not sell well in the U.S. with that gorgeous <laughs> label. <laughs> I I had I actually had rented that quite a few times before Mega Man Two came out. So my, the first one I played was Mega Man, but yeah, that art was uh, you just looked at it and went, "How can such a good game have such god awful?" But back then there was a lot of games that had terrible art. Yeah, so yeah, I mean you know you just played what was at the rental store. Sure, if you hadn't played it yet, you just picked it up and hope it didn't suck. Yeah, yeah, I had Mega Man One as well, and. Um, uh, and had Mega Man 2. I think I had Mega Man 2 before I had 1. I, I enjoyed 2 so much that I went and bought 1. And uh, I never had, until I started collecting um, really seriously about 6 years ago, I, I, I never had any of the other Mega Man titles. Um, oh, wow. So, um, yeah, um, all of those would be fairly new to me, including 3. Um, um, so, you know, um, Stephen, what's your kind of history with the game as well? Um, not much really. Um, I didn't really play these games growing up. Um, so I guess around the time emulators became kind of a thing, I, I kind of dabbled with them a little bit, but I was, uh, I guess I was a little put off by the difficulty. So I never really sat down and put a serious effort into playing these games. And, uh, that's really what this playthrough was for, for me to finally sit down and give these games an honest, uh, thorough playthrough. So this is really more or less my first exposure almost and practically first that really game. amazes me that you know a lot of people say that these games are difficult i don't as am i just because i've played them so much i don't find them that hard i it's, think so it's yeah. um they they seem pretty overwhelming at first but now that i've i've actually been playing one and four kind of working my way through the series after i finished two and three um uh-huh. after i get kind of used to the mechanics and the controls and how everything's presented to you in these games it, it doesn't feel as difficult as it used to. Um, mm-hmm. Good. I mean, they, they are still kind of difficult, but uh, before they really felt overwhelmingly difficult, and they really don't anymore. Yeah. Cool. I, I kind of, I kind of agree with that. I can kind of echo that, and and through this playthrough, I mean, Mega Man Two. I mean, I can almost do that game blindfolded. It's, you know, it's second nature. I mean, I played it so much as a kid, and then you know, it's one of those games that I keep coming back to. I'll like play through at least you know, once a year, usually. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Mega Man 3, I'd never played before, but um, 
I had a little bit of difficulty with it, of course, you know, being really the first time I'd really sat down and really, um, really played the game. I'd kind of played it kind of sporadically a little bit, you know, in the last few years that I've owned it. Um, but I'd played Mega Man 1 before in the past, and I went back to that as well. I think Steve and I did that around the same time. And, um, I, I was able to, you know, take out all the bosses and get to the Wily stage, um, fairly easily, um, and uh, that that was something I, I never could do when I was a kid. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the more you play them, the more you kind of get used, like you said, to the to the style of the game. Um, and so, and maybe being a little bit older too, you know, having a little more hand-eye coordination as an adult and just playing so many more games. So, I'm kind of curious because I know this is the Mega Man 1 show, but how did you guys do against the Yellow Devil? <laughs> I didn't even make it to the Yellow Devil, to be honest. I, I um, in the first I, game, I, it looked literally impossible to me. Um, <laughs> I, it was, uh, Jerry Greenwood on the forums uh, mentioned the little tip about pausing the game when you use the electric yes. move. That's I had to do that. Yeah, I think unless unless you have that <laughs> pattern memorized. Yeah, it's it's, it's so fast. Uh, I mean, because I you know of course I played Mega Man three first and I fought that boss in Mega Man three and. I was able to beat him legitimately in that game, and then sure. I saw him in one, and those those objects fly at you so fast. I'm like, you have no time to react. You just have to memorize that pattern. And uh, I was just like, I'm not going to take the time to memorize this. I'm just going to cheat and beat him that way. <laughs> nah, it's not cheating, man. If you, I mean, if you can do it <laughs> in, the, in game, the game, it's not cheating. It's in the know? game. In There's the game. no codes. Yeah. That's right. That's the way the game works. It could be a part of the game. It could have been what they. D- the developers put in there, you know, decided. That yeah, that was the intended way to defeat neat, this boss. Yeah. yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get too far, I know you mentioned Jerry Greenwood. I'll go ahead and list the participants for this month. We had 10. Um, and if I leave somebody out, I apologize. I tried to look at the thread before the show. But uh, let's see. Uh, Steven played, of course, in Duke. Um, Iko Rinaku. Iko Rinaku. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I'm not sure. I would guess I would guess Akari Niku, but Akari, I have no that's clue. it. Akari Niku. Yep, Akari like Akari Warriors, of course. Um, of course, Jerry Greenwood, we mentioned already. Uh, Metal Fro played Neo, Retro Rage, Shaggy, and myself. And uh, I know some some of the guys were trying to speed run the game. Like, <laughs> yeah, shit. it's all over them. Like you guys go for it, because yeah, I, uh, yeah <laughs> Retro Rage. I, I posted like I'd finished Mega Man 2 and Retro is like first thing is like, see if you could beat my time is 50 something minutes. And I'm like, eh, no, no, I'll pass, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt pretty good. I'm like, I did like an hour and 15 minutes or something. I'm like, I feel pretty good about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. That's that's a good time. Yeah. I'm not, not trying to be fast for an old man. I think I'm pretty yeah. good. Yeah. On a cane, that was pretty good with your walker with tennis balls. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You guys probably got sick of it, but I was as I was playing through these games, I just like every time I'd beat a boss, I'd take a snapshot and send it through the texting app. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you guys I probably know. got sick. Of it. Like, okay, yeah. we get it. Yeah. You're you're doing well. Yeah, I can't wait to see my uh, text bill for the month. I don't have unlimited. <laughs> so. You don't? No, no, of course not. Uh oh, <laughs> uh oh. But I have so many. I'm okay. <laughs> you don't use the app? <laughs> yeah, I use the app, but I think that uh, uses text. I looked that up. No, that uses data. Okay. Well, I'm screwed anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to Mega Man 2 and 3. Um, I think what was cool about the Mega Man series, and we'll kind of talk about them 
cohesively and then individually uh, here in a little while with the the different parts of the game. Uh, but um, was this was this whole idea? It was one of the first games where you had this like option to select like different levels. Like you could go anywhere you wanted to first. It wasn't like this linear game like like Mario where you have to um, you know start at level one one and and make your way through the game. Of course you could you know you could warp in that game, but you didn't really have the choice. Um, the ability to, you know, choose your own level. So, and what an amazing idea that a lot of other games copied off of later. But mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty revolutionary at the time just to even think about doing that because that really changes game design because you basically have to make every one of those stages beatable without any of the special weapons. Right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, there, of course, there's easier ways to approach the games, but, um, you know, with, you know, with Mega Man 1 and stuff like that, it was, uh, I, I kind of felt like that was the kind of game where I used my just regular uh, blaster. I can't, there's a name for it, but uh, um, just used the Mega Man blaster through most of the game. And, uh, you know, the special weapons were just kind of, I guess in the first game to me, I always felt like they were kind of secondary, um, you know, really? boss fights. Yeah. I used, I think I used special weapons in the first two way more than I did even the third one. The third one to me, which we'll get to, but mm-hmm. I felt like they were pretty superfluous. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I felt like that way in three and one, um, in a way. But Mega Man two, I mean, there's 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 one weapon that I use almost the entire game, um, and it's prob- yeah, there's probably a couple, easy, but yeah, like easy to guess. in uh, Mega Man one, yeah, like Ice Beam and Elect Beam, boy, I, I would use those like crazy. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing about Mega Man 1, and Steven, you're fresh on playing this too, is you don't get a lot of power-ups. I mean, Mega Man 2, oh my gosh. You get you get power-ups everywhere, you know, in that game. <laughs> but uh, I felt like in Mega Man 1 and 3, there weren't a lot of power-ups anywhere to be had, um, you know, like to, to recharge your special weapons and things like that. So probably the reason I stayed with my blaster most of the time. I don't yeah, know. I, Am I the I only one there? No, I... You're definitely right about one. I don't really remember three. Um, I, I've I've actually been playing four also, and I think four is actually somewhat generous with the power ups. Um, two definitely is, but uh, yeah, you're you're definitely right about one. They, they don't really give you a lot. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Three three I felt wasn't too bad, but they would do things like. Uh, we'll put the power-ups over here, so if you really want to go for them, you might have to use, like, Rush Coil or something to go get them. Yeah. They weren't just yeah. out where you could grab sure. them half the time. Sure. A lot of energy tanks in 3, but... Um, yeah. Much needed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, anyway, I mean, you know, being the first time I'd beaten the game, man, I r- really used some energy tanks, I'll tell you. Um, especially getting to those, um, you know, final, uh, final level where you had to fight the bosses, uh, for the second time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Mega Man, as we mentioned before, is kind of a 2D platformer, um, you know, jump and shoot game, sort of your, you know, your standard game of the time. Um, I want to say, you know, there were, there were a lot of platformers like that. Um, but you know, you know, really special game in that, you know, you, Again, you get to select your own level, and then there is a boss fight at the end of each level. Um, it, the game also implemented a um, a really cool password system that, wow, you, you talk about something else the game got right. Um, after entering passwords for games like Metroid and... Uh, <laughs> Kid, Icarus. Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus. Oh, Kid Icarus. Um, man, just, just having something like Mega Man... Um, Mega Man 2 and 3, the password codes. No password in Mega Man 1, though. 
Got to beat that in one city. So. Not if you have the retro. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! Don't tell me that's your way through that. <laughs> just between just between stages, not 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 in the middle of stages. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I really like the the implementation of the password system in both games. I thought that was, um, you know, just really excellent choice of um, of um, you know approach to the game. In other words, but um, I guess. The big the big controversy with Mega Man two and three is I think there are there are always like these two camps of people trying to decide which game is better two or three, um, and what I wanted to kind of do is as we're talking about these games, sort of talk about them next to each other. So like we'll talk about let's say we're going to start out talking about the sort of the enemies and the bosses and things of that nature. And uh, we'll just kind of compare, you know, kind of compare the game side by side. And, you know, at the end of each, uh, at, at the end of each, um, how do I want to say it, um, option or, or thing we discuss, we can uh, basically put a check in Mega Man 2 or Mega Man 3 box as far as which we thinks, uh, which game does it a little bit better. So, again, we'll just kind of start off with the enemies and the bosses and... Um, just hear what you guys have to say, what you think about both games. Um, if I can start, I mean, uh, to me, you know, like if you look at like the first Mega Man game, which obviously wasn't in the playthrough, the bosses were pretty straightforward. And for the majority of them, it wasn't very tricky to figure out who was strong against who, although there were mm-hmm. some tricks to it. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's something one, we should it, mention as well. You know, this whole idea of the weaknesses is, was kind of a special thing with the game, right? Yeah, yeah. You definitely find that a certain boss's power was stronger against another certain boss. So you'd kind of try to find that special order mm-hmm. where who was the easiest to beat with a Mega Buster and then go from there uh, around the table, sure, right? Sure, Yeah. And I guess people people that love a challenge could maybe do it other ways, but that's kind of what I, I would do. Um, in Mega Man 2, I would think, you know, if you didn't, if nobody told you what the boss weaknesses were, it's it'd be a bit trickier to figure that out on your own because it's not easy like, oh, f- you know, fire works well against, you know, this or sure. whatever the case is. So I think it was interesting that they kind of mixed it up, but still a lot of the bosses dealt with some pretty primal uh, weapons. I, I, a couple of them were a little quirky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Crash Man, um, <laughs> or um, like Flash Man. Sure. And I, and why on earth was Quick Man boomerangs? I don't know. No you idea. Know. Yeah, yeah, kind of odd. But but a, a very useful weapon, especially in the Wily stages. I thought. Oh yeah. I, well, that was one uh, that I used almost all the time because you could shoot it a million times and it hardly used any power. Oh, okay. Um, so I'd use the Quick Boomerang. Uh, you know, all the time because it was pretty decent. It hit at a pretty wide angle mm-hmm. and they looped back around. So it was pretty effective and it killed things really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the designs uh, of that, the weapons that they gave you, I thought were all really pretty useful, except I'll be really honest. I like the atomic fire. I mm-hmm. thought it was pretty lousy. Yeah. I never used atomic fire on anything. Yeah. Kind of, kind of cool though. I mean, the whole idea of being able to charge it was was good, and of course, of course, you know the atomic fire was the um, was the weapon you would use to take out Woodman. But I think for me, I would um, 
I would I would go and take out Heat Man before I would fight. Um, um, I mean, I, w- I would take out Wood Man sometimes before I would take out uh, uh, Heat Man, so it, it wouldn't really make a difference, you know, for me. So. Yeah, and you could use metal blades sure. on on Wood Man, and he would still eat him up pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah. Any there was there wasn't I'm a lot of reason to use atomic fire on anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of that precursor to Mega Man 4's charged Mega Buster shot. So, sure. you know, they reused the idea again later. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe made it more practical. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what. So we had um, Airman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Fairly, I don't know, fairly useless weapon. I didn't use it a lot, I guess. Um, one of the things that I did use it on were the. Um, um, the, the the things that like the walkers and the the yeah. fault the Ewoks, <laughs> In, like instant instant kill. On yeah, those. yeah. It would take those things out, you know, and then you just have to fight the little the little guys. Uh, that, and uh, you could probably usually when they put their shield down, a good shot from the air blaster would you know kill them too in one shot. Oh, okay. So I didn't realize that. So yeah, if you hit them with all three of the tornadoes, yeah. then they're done. Yeah. Um, Bubble lead um, was a little. Um, bit of an aggravating weapon to use um but still pretty cool you know well i thought it was well implemented into the game uh you know and it got used really well in the wily stage Mm -hmm. where you'd have to figure out where these hidden pits are you could use it to see where they trailed off so that was a really kind of neat Mm -hmm. idea behind it yep yep and and they kind of forced you to use it in certain areas too because it was pretty strong against certain things but yeah yeah um, and it was really great at like those little enemies that were like the little springy guys mm-hmm. yep, that would take like go out. really fast towards you and they would spring. Yeah. The bubble lead did a great job of taking those guys out. I'd use that a lot. Um, that quick boomerang, I think. Yeah. Was what and of course the most important, uh, use of the bubble lead would be to uh, take on Dr. Wiley's last form, the, uh, floating alien, whatever that was. Yeah. yeah the only weapon you can use, <laughs> right? <laughs> And did you guys all know that? I mean, obviously, Rich, you'd played it before, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, Stephen, did you know that, or did you have to experiment, or did you cheat and like read about it, or or what? I think I just looked it up. So oh, I, did you? Because so we were like shooting with stuff, and you're like, nothing is happening. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I had a little sort of a preview session where I was playing through part of Mega Man Two with a friend of mine months ago. This was sort of my big inspiration for doing this playthrough. And I'm trying to remember if when we fought Wily, if we knew um, he was weak to that or if we had to look it up or, or what, but I really don't remember. But when I fought him this time, I already knew. Um, but probably the first time, I probably had to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Any any specific um, weapons that you, you used a lot, Steven? Or? You know, I think I kind of make the mistake with these games in that I tend to never, ever use the special weapons, except against the bosses. I always mm-hmm. feel like I need to reserve the, the power um, and not, not use them up. Yeah. Um, so I pretty much just try to find which uh, which weapon each uh, boss is weak to and just use it on them rather than, you know, um, like I've seen that Metal Blade is very useful uh, yeah. throughout the entire game, and I, did, I didn't use it at all except against bosses. Oh wow! Uh, it doesn't yeah. use wow. a, it doesn't use a lot of energy at all. Yeah, it I doesn't. Mean, yeah, it, it, for me that I use that the whole the entire game. I mean, I don't I don't even use my Mega Buster. I use Metal Blades the entire game. I go for them first. I mean, and mm-hmm. Metal 
Metal Blade almost makes the game too easy. It does. Though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. But I, why would uh, you want to make it hard on yourself? I saw. Um, well, it's just not fun at a certain point. It's like, yeah. I can just whoop everything. I disagree. One person, <laughs> one person I saw doing a playthrough of this game called referred to them as the Broken Blades. <laughs> yeah, well, especially <laughs> like when you, sure. when you have to fight uh, Metal Man again, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. One shot. Yeah, I think that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Uh, I don't know. Um, I always thought that was so kind of cheap quite honestly, that you could do that. I mean, I kind of get it at that point in time because it's like, okay, I am I have to do a boss rush, so it's kind of cool that one of them goes down quickly, but eh. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious. What did you guys think about the crash bombs? Did you guys use them for anything other than taking out the walls? Um, No, probably not. I mean, I, I think that they, they just weren't very useful for for much of anything and, and they take a while to explode now you can use them against uh i believe it's quick man right uh flash man i think okay i thought it was, thought it was quick man i think i used them against quick man and took a, took a good uh, bit off hit him like maybe quick three man times. is weak weak to the flash stop or time stopper but i think he's weak to um, crash bombs too I'm pretty positive that's right. But the thing is, he hops around so fast, it's hard to aim, so you just have to let him kind of jump over you and get stuck in that left corner and use the crash bombs. Yeah, I, I've used crash bombs a lot on Flash Man, and it really eats him up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, but, ugh, you know, it's like, that's one of those weapons you're like, really? Why? Yeah. But it's well. I, mean, I think it's kind of cool what they do with them, but, yeah. like the wall things. Yeah, and it's, it's well implemented into the game, into the... Not so much the boss battles, but they're I think they're well implemented into the actual um, stages, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So, because um, you do have to take out some walls every once in a while, and and you can use them to make the game a little bit easier um, at times. So, kind of choose your own path in that regard as well. Now, what about Woodman and the Leaf Shield? Ugh. The Completely only time useless. I found the Leaf Shield useful. <laughs> Would either be when those birds would drop the eggs with a million little birds, or <laughs> on those moving platforms where I have to just let it hit the things that are going to knock me off. Well, I'll tell you this: it would have been nice to have a leaf shield um, against those bees in Mega Man Three. Oh God! <laughs> Don't give me start on the bees, bees, man. I think of Tommy Boy. Bees. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah. Um. Pretty good weapons, I think. Um, I guess we should maybe talk a little bit about the bosses and uh, enemies of uh, Mega Man 3 now. Okay. Um, I'll be curious to hear, because now this is a game where I went like, I hardly ever use any of these weapons except in really weird circumstances mm-hmm. or against bosses. I mean, was there any practical application for most of them at all? <sighs> I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it just seemed like boss battles to me steven um not not that i remember i think there were a couple like maybe shadow man you can sort of aim those those blade things and uh, you can use the laser to sort of you know take out certain enemies around corners and stuff but uh maybe uh magnet man he can he can kind of lock on to certain enemies but yeah i didn't really use a lot of these powers very much myself yeah and like i said i just found it it was really difficult to 
get these items powered back up. I just I felt like Mega Man 2 is sort of a field day of um, power-ups, whereas um, I, I just didn't find as many or had to work harder for them in Mega Man 3. Um, so it just, yeah. it just didn't Yeah, there's a lot. a lot of areas in Mega Man 2 where there's enemies placed pretty much just so you can fill everything up, like those stage, like, you know, where like those little drill enemies are coming sure. through and you can just sure. keep killing them as much as you want, or the egg bird guys. Sure. Sure. Um, with Mega Man 3, I'd have to do a lot of that where, like, climb a ladder. Oh, the enemy regenerates. Kill him. See if I get a drop. Nope. Go back down the ladder. Climb back up. Try again. Yeah. Until I could, you know, fill up on stuff. And that yeah. was a gr- real grind. Yeah. It seemed in Mega Man 2, like, everything dropped something all the time. So it was pretty easy to stay full, you know, with power and energy. But, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't use a lot of the, like you said, I didn't use a lot of the weapons. Um, um you mentioned the um, the shadow blades or whatever; those were kind of cool. I mean, but um, they they kind of like were kind of an allusion to like the metal blades, but they were more of like they came back to you like a boomerang, and they didn't have the range that the metal blades had. But it was sort of that weapon that you could throw in all directions, which was nice to nice to have. And you know, I used that on a few occasions. That was probably my best sort of secondary weapon but everything else like the uh, hard man's weapon it just i mean that fist was so slow it was just kind of unbearable the, the only time i used it is pretty much when i needed to mm-hmm. against the bosses that were weak to it and yeah, yellow devil for sure to shoot those walls where it could destroy the walls yeah that, well that was the odd thing i mean there was no kind of clue like what would break those walls? I, I don't know how I figured that out. I just kind of, I guess, kind of put two and two together. I was like, well, this seems really powerful and slow. Let's shoot this at the wall to see if yeah, it breaks that, it down. That was my that was my first guess to use against yeah. the walls. Yeah, kind of strange that that was kind of so obvious. And it was kind of the first one I used, too, without knowing. So I think when I was a kid, I just tried everything until something worked. Sure. But you never knew, because like in Mega Man 1... The elect beam could also destroy bricks besides Guts Man's thing, mm-hmm. which made yeah. no sense yeah. to me at all. Yeah, I didn't know that. I always use Gutsman. I found that out uh, by yeah, accident. Yeah, you can just elect, elect beam all the way through those things once you have it. Yeah. So. Well, that's kind of the cool thing about the Mega Man series. It seems like they're always trying something different, you know? I mean, it's you know it can be hit or miss a lot of times, but at least... You know they're they're always kind of keeping it fresh and you know giving you a new weapon. It's kind of the thing that you expect out of a Mega Man game now. You know every time you play it, and uh, so um, it's pretty cool. I, I like the um, I like the snake weapon. I thought that was I thought that was just neat. You know just the whole concept of snakes flying out and you know crawling across the ground was uh, was pretty neat. But uh, to me. To me, it was kind of like we really need another bubble lead, but we can't make bubble lead again. Sure. So let's make <laughs> let's make the snake thing. Sure, sure. The uh, um, or um, like Sparkman's thing. It's like this is just like just a shot. Who yeah. cares, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Magnet Man's was cool. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that. I mm-hmm. use Magnet Man's pretty often, and Top Man. I actually use that one from time to the time. The spinning thing. Yeah, because you could jump and spin into enemies. Okay. So you know, if you had a jump and there was something in your way you know you could you could use that from time yeah. to time is there a way to use it without getting hit because i always got hit when i tried um, to hit an enemy with it I, i'm trying to think 
Where did you use it a lot? Well, I, those stages that had those like mechanical frogs across those pits, those were aggravating. Did you use it for those or? No, I think I used magnet on those oh, okay. if I remember correctly. Okay. Because Magnet was just easy, just fire it, and yeah. it figured it all out. I'm trying to remember where on earth I was using the Top Man thing. I don't remember. I can't remember now. Needle Man, never. <laughs> Unless it was a boss, <laughs> never. Or Gemini, what? That was a terrible mo- weapon. Which one was that? Which one? I'm, I'm getting the two confused. The need- Was that the one that, like, bounced? Was that Needle Man? Gemini, Gemini Man, his is the one that just ricochets. Oh, yeah, like, that's it. I can't it. Okay. aim this okay. piece of yeah. junk. And Needle Man's just sort of like a needle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a waste of space. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, most of these weapons were pretty, just really forgettable and yeah. not terribly useful. But, again, you get into those situations, like, on those Wily stages that if you can't figure out, you know, what the right combination is, good luck, right? Yeah, yeah. And even, I, I know, like, certain enemies, like, had weaknesses, but I felt like, like, between Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 3, I felt like... Um, the boss fights were so much easier in Mega Man 2. And even though, like, Mega Man 3 were bosses you playing on weaknesses. No- What's that? Were you playing on normal or difficult? Normal. Yeah, play on difficult. Okay. <laughs> you, won't feel, you won't feel such a huge difference. Okay. okay. Well, I, I played on difficult, and I, I, I would agree with Rich. I still felt like 3 was way more difficult. Yeah, maybe, I think, maybe it's just me. I think it's... I I think it was more difficult simply because of the lack of power ups. But I mean, as far as like the game, I felt like a lot the of bosses, the um, I felt like a lot of the bosses in three didn't take as much damage from the weapons, yeah, even if they yeah, were yeah, supposedly yeah. weak to them. Sure, um, that's what I like was, in yeah, Mega Man Two, you can kill some of the bosses. Even on difficult, you can kill some of the bosses in just a few hits. But I don't feel like there were really any, uh, for the most part, not a lot of bosses that you could do that with on three, no matter which power you used. I felt like if you use the right power on the bosses in three, it would usually take maybe most of them like three, four hits. Mm. Are you sure? Mm. There mm. were a few of them that would take more, but yeah. most of them weren't that big of a deal. Like whoever, God, I can't remember now, whoever's weak to top man. Was that Gemini man? My God, I can't remember anymore. Um, <laughs> you just you just jump into them a few times and it's like, okay, this is no problem. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't have that many problems with the bosses, really, especially with E-Tanks. I'm like, if I needed to top off, no problem. Sure, sure. Yeah, that, that was a huge help with having the E-Tanks. And I thought the game was, you know, more challenging. I guess, you know, a little bit about the history of the games, too, is that, um, you know, Mega Man 3 was sort of a rushed game as well, um, which is something that should be mentioned. Um, there there was a uh, Capcom had set a deadline, and uh, it was sort of rushed to get that game out. And... You know, um, I don't know. I feel like it kind of shows a little bit. Um, I think I mentioned this on the forums in a post. Um, I, I, I do feel like it. There, there are a few things about the game that seem uh, rushed. I think we were talking about like the little glitch on Mega Man Three with the the platforms and how they'll kind of bump you off, which actually oh, happened to me. Snake Man stage, isn't that the stage that does that? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, that's so annoying because you're like, I'm standing dead in the middle of this thing, yep. and then bonk, yep. you're dead. Yep. Yep. And so I think, you know, things like that that just weren't kind of cleaned up or because it's funny, um, you know, Steven had mentioned like he's playing this for the first time. I'm playing this for the first time and it happened to both of us and we both mentioned that it happened to us. So, you know, it just seems like something that could have been cleaned up and there wasn't like a lot of testing done to do that. Um, 
I don't know. I, now I, oh, go ahead. Now I'm curious. Now me having played these quite a few times, especially back in the day, I know you guys think that Mega Man Three is harder than two. Do you think that maybe is more just because you're not as familiar with it? Um, I mean, because you got yeah, like especially I mean, you, Rich, you probably know Mega Man Two like the back of your hand. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think I think that that I have a familiarity with it that that really makes Mega Man 2 a much easier game for me. There's, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, if I played Mega Man 3 as much as I played 2 back in the day, then, yeah, I mean, I would have an easier time with it. But but I do think that there are some things um, for um, Mega Man 3 that make it more difficult. Um, one of those being the, um, the additional four stages um, after the boss battles. I think are tougher. I think, the I, again, I, I think the bosses don't take as much damage from the weapons are weak too. Um, and, um, uh, there, there was something else too. I can't think of what it was. Um, like I, I do agree that like the, game. yeah, the, di- the additional four bosses. Yeah. Cause you have to basically take out two of them mm-hmm. in a stage. Yeah. That makes it a little more rough. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to me, that was like a really weird move just to try to get more length out of the game. And I don't yeah. really like, that. Oh, it's like, oh, kind of cool. Hey, it's like the spirit of the Mega Man 2 bosses again, yeah. but not exactly. Yeah, and I think I think for me that was kind of one of the things I thought that felt, to me, it felt rushed. It was like, well, we should make this game a little bit longer. How are we going to do that? It's like, well, let's bring the bosses from Mega Man 2 back. Um, you know, that, that'll be a cool thing to do, but... Kind of the way it was implemented with the, what? What's the guy's name? Is it Doc Robot? Is that is that the name or who? Who is? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, which was who? which was odd. I mean, it just there was really no story oh. behind it. You know. Oh, you're talking about the the thing that it goes into. Yes, the thing that you fight yeah. all the time. That the. Uh, uh. You know, it, it was it was just kind of yeah. Odd. It does it it doesn't explain that at all. No. Uh-oh. Um. A lot of things, I mean, obviously in this game they couldn't explain very well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the story's pretty light as it is, because, I mean, you don't really even understand in Mega Man 3, I mean, Proto-Man slash Blues, mm-hmm. yep. you know, yep. Yep. his part really at all in the game. I mean, you can sort of piece something together until the very end where you find out, oh, well, it's like the first Dr. Light robot. Sure. Um yeah. Mega Man's brother. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. But but yeah. I, I do like the Japanese names a whole lot more than I like the, the US names though. Oh yeah. Yeah. They make more sense. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um and was that was one Blues, of the, rock and roll. Yep. I mean, you know. Yep. Definitely. Um you've got Rush, which uh maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Maybe, I mean it's like maybe a version, these guys like uh, allusion they to liked the, music uh, to the Canadian band. Um, yeah, and you had like bass later. Sure. I mean, it's cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a shame that um, that they kind of you know kind of did away with that. I, I don't know why they did, but I mean, I don't know. Mega Man is kind of a that's kind of a cool name too, you know. And I think yeah. maybe the association with rock maybe in the U.S. would have been you know if you've got Iceman and Fireman, maybe they would think oh it has to do something with rocks or. You know, Maybe, but I mean, like he had like the big headphone looking things on his helmet. So, sure, <laughs> he's rock man. <laughs> um, I'm curious what you guys think about the story, right? Because we didn't talk about like the story too awfully much behind these. Yeah. Well, you know, 
Mega Man 2, I, I feel like, doesn't have much of a story. Um, there's there's not, a, there's not a whole lot going on as far as well, story. You just kind of got, yeah, Dr. Dr. Wily returns, you know. And uh, Yeah, well, I mean, if you read the instruction book, there's a little bit more yeah. that's in there. Yeah. So, I mean, because the first game is Dr. Wily subverts Dr. Light's robots. Um, the second game is Dr. Wily makes his own evil robots. Sure. And the third game is really weird. It's... <laughs> Dr. Wily and Dr. Light team up to make sure. a super peaceful gamma robot, and they have to go into space to get stuff for this robot, but <laughs> the, the, the robots robot. turn evil in space, yeah. and Rockman has to, or Mega Man has to go get them? I'm like, what? Yeah, they're they're sort of like, they're they're like mining robots or something like that, right? Isn't that what they're doing? Yeah, they're, they're out to mining. Yeah, they're supposed to mine whatever these elements for this gamma robot or whatever. Um, and so, but it doesn't even really explain, like, you go to the normal stage. It's not like you're flying to another planet or something. It, it's really weird story. <laughs> uh, and so you're like almost, if you read the instructions, you'd almost be led to believe like, oh, is Dr. Wily really behind this? But of course, duh. I mean, he is. But He's always behind it. <laughs> I know, even like the stupid Cossack stuff later. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let's just say the court system out in uh, Mega Man land. (laughs) (laughs) There are not a lot of stiff penalties out there for uh, being an evil scientist. So. That and they've got, you know, wouldn't it get really expensive for Dr. Wily to build all these things just to stop? You would think, you know. I mean, he must be must be a trust fund kid or something. I don't know. Can you imagine he's building all these like just thousands of robots just to throw at this one guy? That and it always bothered me too. It's like you know, the evil robots aren't doing anything. They're just like chilling out, right, in their place. And you come attack them. It's not the other way around. So are we like saying both? Mass are we saying both games get a thumbs down for the story? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, they're NES titles. You can't expect a whole lot. But um, uh, what do you, I would say, if you have to compare the two, I would give the story nod to Mega Man 2 more than Mega Man 3. Oh, you think so? Okay, how about you, Steven? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Like you said, these are NES games. I really wasn't paying attention. I don't even think I really paid attention to the opening, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> little opening uh, dialogue part of Mega Man 2. I don't even think 3 had one. Uh if it did, it was very brief, but, uh, I mean, I... And everything is pretty much just drop right in, pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I've, I, uh, I got to go kind of neutral on this one, because I just, <laughs> it <laughs> I doesn't really, ma- doesn't really matter either, yeah. either way. Yeah, I think it's kind of an easy one to go neutral on. Um, You're not worried about the deep-seated motivations of Dr. Wiley? <laughs> I'm sure he's a very complex character with uh, all sort of deep-rooted uh, issues, probably some Dr. childhood Wowie. things. <laughs> so, so what about you, Rich? What do you think of the story? Who would you give it to? I don't know. For some reason, I, I thought that um, it, it, it was odd, but I kind of thought the Mega Man 3 story was probably a little bit better. And, and the only reason I say that, it's probably because of the ending. Um, you know, figuring out that, you know, who Proto Man is and, uh, um, you, you know, that kind of relation to the story that, you know, kind of sets it up for future games. Um, 
uh, I, I thought that was kind of a neat kind of twist, and it, at least I felt like I had some kind of story, you know, like I was kind of, at the end, there was a sort of epiphany, you know, that I could sort of put together, so for that reason, I would probably give it the three, um, you know, and like you said, with Mega Man 2, you basically had to, you know, there wasn't much there, you had to basically read the manual, so, uh, you know, to get that, which, you know, you kind of save cart well, same- space, you can save cart space that way, but. Same thing in Mega Man 3. I mean, you would never know you're in space unless you read the manual. <laughs> sure. Nor would you understand why you're fighting some giganto robot at the end of the game. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Not that it was made any sense at the end of Mega Man 2 while you're fighting an alien hologram either. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm still I'm still going to throw my vote to Mega Man 3 for that. So we can, we can agree to disagree on that. So we're tied on that, we're tied, on that element. We're tied on story element. Okay. So... How about, we'll go back, we've already talked about it, but how about enemies and bosses? Um, you know, like your your big bosses and, and things like that. Which which game would you give the edge to in that? I would definitely go Mega Man 2. Yeah. I think so too. I I, I felt that they were, the bosses were much more interesting in, in Mega Man 2. Mega Man 3, like, <sighs> kind of to me is like where, the, where it started kind of breaking off and um, things just kind of got a little odd, like, like with the men, because you would have like Gemini Man and Snake Man. I mean, the bosses in two are odd, but you still have things like that are sort of elemental, like wood and and heat and things like that. And um, you know, the f- fighting them would make you know sort of sense. Uh, but the bosses, I thought, like from three and beyond, just started like getting much more bizarre. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but come on, Centaur Man, <laughs> Sphinx Man, come on. <laughs> Wasn't there Pharaoh Man as well at some point? Yeah, yeah. well, that's maybe that was Pharaoh. Pharaoh that's, Man. That's, that's four. Yeah. Mega Man Four. Yama, Yamato Man. <laughs> Yamato Man. Oh yeah, some pretty terrible ones in there. I, I definitely feel like the Robot Masters in. Uh, Three are more creative, but I just don't think they're as cool as the ones in Mega Man 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd have to give it to Mega Man 2 just because of the dragon in the Wily <laughs> wow. stage. Man. Oh, man. When that thing pops up behind you and starts chasing, you're like, oh! Man, that scared the <laughs> hell out of me as a kid. Oh, my gosh. You're just going to jump across this box. And you're not doing it fast because you're trying to be really careful, you know, and you're kind of taking your time the first time you're doing it. Man, and that thing just kind of pops up and just like smashes into you. Oh my gosh, it scared me to death as a kid. <laughs> like the timing of the auto scroll kind of changes when yes. he pops up, yes. so you can't keep going at the same speed or you'll fall off. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's a cool fight. Now, I, I recently this this playthrough, I, I realized that you could use the quick boomerangs against that guy, and I never knew that when I was a kid. I um I always used crash bombs and in, into the uh, the dragons, and you had to shoot it. You had to hit him in the stomach with them. Uh, atomic fire will take him out really quick. Oh, really? Charged atomic fire, yeah. Okay, okay. The, but I usually use quick boomerangs. Yeah, that's, cause that's really quick too, and you can hit him in the head with those as well. You can hit him anywhere with those. Mm-hmm. So. So and if you stay cool. on that top block and he hits you, it'll knock you back onto the other block safely. Okay. So they just hop right hop right back up and keep shooting him with quick boomerangs. Hmm. Did not know that. I like to dance yeah, around. I, I just used Crash Bomb on him. I didn't know you could use the boomerang. Yeah. Atomic Fire, I think, time. will take him out in like two charge shots, I think. Yeah. 
So how about um? So it looks like all of us are throwing our vote for bosses to Mega Man Two. How about length? Yeah. How about length of the game? What do we think about length of the game? Uh, appropriate for both games or a little too long? Mega Man Three, of course, is a longer game. Um, um, I, th- I think um, you know even with speed runs, most of those tend to take a little longer than Mega Man Two. Of course, with the extra uh, to levels. To me, to me, I felt like. Mega Man 3 was overstated its welcome a little bit, um, especially with those four extra stages tossed in mm-hmm. that didn't seem to really need to be there. Yeah, uh, I like Mega Man 2 because it's kind of short, sweet, to the point. Um, it's just about the right length for an NES title. Sure. About an hour mm-hmm. to beat the whole thing. Um, uh, once you start going over that, uh, without having like really compelling reasons to... I just kind of felt like Mega Man Three was just a little longer than it needed to be. Yeah, they're 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 both definitely like one sitter games. You know, they're the kind of game you're gonna you're gonna sit down and play in one setting. And so, um, like you said, I think Three does wear out its welcome a little bit. I thought those extra replay levels were just kind of again, it, it felt contrived to me, a little thrown in, and you know, just like we can't, we need something else, but we can't think of what to put in here, kind of deal. I don't know. I felt like it gave the developers a chance to kind of do something different because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said before, you, they'd always have to design the regular levels where you could beat them even with just the plain Mega Buster. Mm-hmm. But those redesigned, like, extra boss levels in 3, they could really say, okay, we know they're going to have all the weapons, now let's change it up and make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Which, that's kind of cool, but, I mean, that's really what the Wily stages are for, in my mind. Sure, sure. Yeah, I didn't really mind that three was longer. I just, uh, but I didn't really care for those extra levels. Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason, I would uh, have to give my vote to two on this one. Yeah, um, and it seemed like, and I and I had read this as well, and and I felt this way too as playing the game. It felt like the actual stages, like the ball stages, um, on um, in Mega Man Three were a lot shorter than they were in Mega Man Two. You know, like actually getting to the boss battles seemed a little bit shorter. I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt that or kind of noticed that. It's not. It's not a, a substantial difference, but there is quite a bit difference in uh, you know being able to get to the boss battles as well, as far as the time is concerned. I can see that it does feel like they're a little shorter, and that's probably because they have to basically make them double size when you go through them again, but. Yeah. Uh, it's probably more to do with, like, cartridge ROM space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a little... I mean, I never felt really very inspired by the levels in 3. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it looks like we're all throwing our votes to Mega Man 2 on length as well. So we talked a bit about the weapons and the items in the game as well and, you know, what we preferred, I think, for the most part. Um, most of us probably enjoyed the weapons in Mega Man 2 the most from what I understood from what I heard the first time that's again that's where my vote's going to go um, as far as uh, you know comparing the two yeah I, I definitely prefer the uh, abilities in, in 2 uh, to 3 yeah I mean there's there's some wasted on both sides uh, um, you know in both games uh, but uh, I think like we said you know kind of with the versatility I mean in Mega Man 3 you feel like you're using your Mega Blaster uh, through most of the game and I don't know, maybe that's the intention, is to do that, but uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I kind of like switching it up 
um, and, and getting to use, uh, you know, the items that uh, I collect along the way a little more. So I thought that was a little bit nicer. Yeah, I mean, and maybe it's just because I don't play enough of three as I do the other two, like the first two. But I find myself in one and two using the special weapons all the time. Um, And I just really didn't find a lot of need for it in three. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll move on and uh, we'll talk about something um, that was very specific to each game. And that are the... um, Sort of the sidekicks is how I have them listed. Um, in Mega Man 2, we're talking, of course, about items 1 through 3. And then, obviously, in Mega Man 3, we're talking about uh, the very first implementation of Rush, the robotic dog, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear kind of, you know, thoughts on those. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I prefer uh, 3 on this game. I, I like okay. the uh, implementation of Rush. It kind of gives a little more context to uh, the abilities. and Plus, I just like the way they, they function more in, in 3. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't use item, item 3 in Mega Man 2 at all. I'm not even really sure what its function is over item 1. Uh, it feels like there's a, some parts where you There's some parts where it's much more useful to use item 3. Okay. Yeah, because item three can scale all the way up a wall. Yeah, Yeah. okay. It goes it goes a little bit longer. Um, Yeah, there there are definitely some parts where it's it's a little bit better of an item to use than than one. But yeah, I I didn't use it. I didn't use an an exceeding amount of time. I think I probably use item two one the most. uh, The jet sled, uh, which was which was probably which was a really cool item. But but I really like. you know, I guess the difference between one and three is one sort of the floating platforms. Um, the nice thing is you can throw, you can have three of those out at one time, uh, which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially one part of the game, you have to, you know, there's there's nothing else you can use to yeah. uh, make it past that part. So I found that part kind of frustrating for me, but I kept really? falling. I kept falling. Yeah. You have oh. to really place them at the end. I mean, you have to yeah. tap over and get to the end. Yeah. And, uh, if you if you're just a little bit off, you'll fall. But yeah, you know, the good thing about it is you don't fall to your death. You just fall on top of that yeah. little uh, slinky yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, and you can switch your weapon on the way down, so you can always just bubble let him. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, how about um, you? Uh, you know, I for usability, I have to go with one. I mean, the Mega Man Two. Um, I think those are a lot more practical, and quite honestly, I just use them a lot more. Yeah. Um, and probably the only reason I'll ding it, because I really like the character of Rush mm-hmm. in 3. He's much cuter than the goofy, you know, items. But, like, Rush Marine, come on. Yeah. You know? I just didn't care for Rush Marine very much. And it felt kind of contrived, because, like, we just want to put some water things in here, and you have to use Rush Marine. Good luck. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it kind of felt the same way. I feel like if I would have played Mega Man 3 at a younger age... Maybe I would have really liked that a lot, you know, because oh, I was talking to um, the guy that owns the retro store uh, near where I live, and we were talking about how basically the the difference maybe for me that, uh, you know, that I didn't grow up playing this game. So, you know, if, if I were younger, I would think, you know, oh, it's a dog, it's really cool, and, you know, he, he actually, that was the first game that he owned and he owned it as a child and you know, he probably has, he has a, you know, real big soft spot toward it because of that reason, you know? 
It's a fun game, and I like the character Rush a lot. It's just the practicality of what they did. I didn't find them to be as useful. Yeah, is it is it better? I mean, is it, is it implemented a little better in the later games? I just I haven't experienced those really yet. So, and they go all sorts of different stuff. Just depends. Um, like every game has to, every one of those has to throw something new in. So in four, you get the charge shot. Yeah. I'm even trying to trying to remember what they added in five, and then six was like the jetpack thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I play those very not not nearly as often as the other ones. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna throw my vote to um, Mega Man Two for this. I mean, I you know I, I like the diversity of the items and sort of simplicity of it. Just made a little more sense to me instead of having sort of a a sidekick that just kind of a, appeared at any point in time. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It just kind of a preference, but again, I, I'm probably, you know, pretty biased <laughs> to be quite honest. Just <laughs> haven't played it so much. Um, yeah, I can see that. And we were talking about things that were implemented into games, and uh, with Mega Man Three, we actually get the uh, the slide. Right, this is the first time we see the slide in a Mega Man game. So uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I goofed that a few times, uh, trying to push down and shoot. I should have known Mega Man can't <laughs> kneel, Metroid can't crawl. So, That's right. <laughs> so I, I definitely slid into a few enemies, but uh, I like the slide. It was it, all in all, I, I really enjoyed the slide. I thought it was a very useful um, thing to have. A, a lot of enemies you could skip uh, by letting them jump over you and just kind of sliding under them. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that seemed to be a mechanic you had to learn because you'd have to go under like certain attacks or under certain bad guys to reasonably be able to to go through and not get hit a lot. Sure. Um, and of course, those little like trap things that would come up and get you if you didn't slide across them. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know the slide's okay. It, I, you know. I, it's okay because it was designed in to be used, but mm-hmm. with two, I don't think if you would have added the slide into two, it would have made that a better game. So yeah. I mean, it's good enough for what it is in that game, sure. but I have to take take it or leave it for me. Yeah, eh, in the level design of two, there was nowhere you know it, they weren't set up to use the slide. So uh, of course, you know it's going to be um, it, it's more well implemented to the levels in three. So so sure. to slide or not to slide, that is the question. So, and then <laughs> yeah. how we feel about that. Yeah. It was really weird to me that it made you go faster. Yeah. 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 I, I like the slide. I, uh, he said it's not really critical and, and, uh, you know, you don't obviously don't need it for Mega Man 2 because it's not in it, but there were a couple occasions in 2 where I would feel like I really wanted to slide underneath an enemy. And of course you can't do it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think as, that was a really uh, cool mechanic they added in, into the series, and uh, yeah, I really like the sliding. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up too. I'll throw a vote toward Mega Man Three for the slide. I, I really like that implementation. I think it was, I think it was good. Uh, I think I thought it was well integrated into the game and the levels, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I especially like the ones where you had to kind of slide. You had to time it and kind of slide like. Uh, use the D pad to go like back and forth before you would go under a trap. You know, after it had fallen. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, or like those little weird, like, things that would go up and down in the ceilings. Yes, yes. So uh, so I, I really liked that. I thought that was that was pretty cool. Pretty neat thing to add to the game. So, so, so Duke, does that get your vote or no? You still going Mega uh, Man 2? I'll give it a vote. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, 
Not because it thrills me, but I mean, it fits that game just because they designed around it. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, let's talk a little about the level environments, the artwork and sort of design of both of these games. I think that's a pretty important uh, factor in the game. Um, so I, I'll kind of start it off. I, I really, I, 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 for some reason, I feel like Mega Man 2 did this a little bit better. I, I really love, like, when you're in Heat Man stage, you know, you are, there's lava all around. It just, the game feels hot. I, I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's sort of the way the, you, you know, the, the screen is. And then, yeah. Um, you know, Bubble Man, you've got the sort of the water stage, which completely fits. It, it makes sense. Um, even with something like Quick Man, I mean, there's an area of the stage where you have to be fast and keep moving to, like, dodge those beams. Uh, which, right. you know, kind of, I felt like it was just really well integrated uh, with the bosses. Uh, I don't know. Air Man, you're up in the air the entire time. Metal Man, you're in this big metal production factory with gears and, and things like that. I thought that was just really cool. Um, I, it's it's not that I, I thought that the level design was bad in 3, but it's kind of hard to, you know, as I was saying before, that the bosses get a little bit more odd. So, like, with Snake Man, you know, I think they did a great job with that um, and, and sort of implementing that really well. But then you got things like Gemini Man that are um, and Hard Man. It's kind of like, well... You know, how do you really design a level around that and make it feel cohesive, I guess? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, like you said, the the Robot Masters in 3 were, like I said, I said before, they were more creative, but also made them more weird, so it made it more difficult to design levels around that. Mm-hmm. Um, you had more straightforward Robot Masters in 2, like you said, uh, Air Man and Heat Man, Wood Man, so uh, it's... You know, those levels uh, really fit with those characters, and uh, I overall, I really enjoyed the levels in Mega Man 2 more than 3. Yeah, I to me, I felt like all the levels pretty much in Mega Man 2 were pretty spot on, um, whereas in 3, you had hits and misses. So, um, Snake Man, great level. Um, Spark Man, really cool level. Needle Man, eh, not too bad, uh, but like, Gemini Man and Hard Man stage, eh, like Top Man stage, eh. Uh, Magnet Man wasn't too bad either. Uh, And the Wily stages to me just felt kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess it's more of just not as exciting as they used to be to me. Well, they were easy, I thought. They were super, super easy uh, getting through the Wily stages. I mean, it was more... I felt like the Wily stages were more about the boss battles than they were about the actual stages. It seemed like in in the Wily stages, it was sort of like just a a time for you to accumulate power ups and energy tanks and things like that to kind of gear up, uh, you know, for the uh, second confrontation of all the bosses and you know Doctor Wily and such. Yeah, I I think it's tough. I mean. Mega Man 1, the Wily stages were tough as nails. Yeah. Um, Mega Man 2, eh, they weren't that bad. I mean, there's a couple of them a little tougher. But um, 3, as long as you knew what to use, I mean, we're not that bad at all. Yeah. Uh, some of them, I guess, if you didn't know how to play them, you would have to try to spend a lot of time figuring them out. 
Like, especially like the last boss battle, if you didn't really know what to do, that would be tricky. Um, but kind of once you know, it's, it's not that bad at all. Yeah. They go down pretty quick, like especially Wily. I mean, he goes down pretty quick if you know what to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Especially like his last form, whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you know, if you just know to top spin into him, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one hit. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a joke. Yeah, the, yeah. His first form's a lot tougher than the sort of the spider boss, but <laughs> I kind of uh, fudged that when I just uh, used Rush Jet. <laughs> and just flew up where he could <laughs> shot, shot him with the zapper. I mean, <laughs> just just hover there and yeah. just blast the tar out of him. Huh? Yep, yep. That's a good. That's a good idea. I didn't. I don't think I've ever tried that. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, but yeah, I would. I'd give. I'd give my vote, of course, as I mentioned before, to level environments and artwork. I'd definitely give it to Mega Man too, um, just because it's to me more, just more cohesive. I thought. Two just felt like it had more love in it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the developers were just more invested in it yeah. than three. And, and I don't know if it was, I don't think it was lack of love than three, but I, I think, again, you know, as we mentioned before, I think there was, you know, kind of a, a tight deadline on that third game. Something had to go out and they had to, you know, I, I feel like, you know, with, with love, a lot of times comes, um, you know, sacrifice and, and time you know, and, and having more time to put what you want in the game in it. And, um, you know, I think... And probably some of this is being victims of their own success because one didn't sell very well. And from what I understand of, like, the development at that time, their arcade division was huge, and so nobody paid much attention to what they were doing for consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing kind of through two. Uh, but I guess once two sold a lot of copies, they must have been like... Oh, this is making money. Hurry up and make more of these things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we'll we'll talk about something that is uh, near and dear to Mega Man games. Um, I know that uh, Duke and I both have the Mega Man 2 soundtrack on on vinyl, which is, uh, you know, kind of... um, you know, expresses our love toward um, <laughs> how much we how much we really enjoy the music uh, to this game. But even before I had the vinyl, um, this was something that I had you know downloaded um, and purchased um, the the music for the game. Uh, just something I just I I love uh, listening to, and um, I have I have kind of a great story about this. Um, Buddy and I, um, some uh, a guy that used to live in town. Uh, he's he's recently moved, but we we're good friends. And I had no idea he played video games, but we were really big fans of music, and we went to a few shows and things together. And uh, he had his iPod in my car, and he just started playing some music as we were, you know, going to the show out of town. And uh, all of a sudden, like there was this remix version of Mega Man Two that came on. He, that's what he played, uh, and I was like, nice. and and he, he had no idea that I was a video gamer either, and um, and uh, I looked at him was like, dude, that's totally Mega Man too. <laughs> so it was like, you know, just a big like <laughs> high five moment, you know, like we both recognize. I mean, oh, you know, we just love Mega Man too, and uh, um, I, I think that's just really one of the things that made that game so special for me growing up. Just a incredible soundtrack to that. Yeah, I mean, I've got um, an app on my phone. Uh, it's called NES Music, and really, it plays a lot of console music. But um, 
Yeah, I got all the game, all the Mega Man games loaded up on that app, so I can just plow into them anytime I want. Yeah. Um, I do definitely love the. I really, I mean, I love all the soundtracks for those games because they're all really well yeah, done. Yeah, they are. But um, I have a softer spot in my heart, probably about um, the second one, just because of the time in which I played it, and I played it probably a lot more than I played the other mm-hmm. ones. Sure. Although there's still some of the, I'll be honest, the Mega Man 1 music, since it was the first one of those I played that still has, kind of pulls on my heartstrings a little bit. But, I mean, the music in Mega Man 3 is really fantastic, and there are some really catchy sure. tunes sure. Uh, in there. But, I mean, if I had to vote, I would give it to 2 just for nostalgia's sure. sake. Sure, absolutely. And and that first Wily stage on Mega Man 2, that's my favorite. Yeah, that, that that's what everyone says. They, they A lot of people say that that's their favorite. Uh I, not necessarily my favorite, but uh, I'll. Get I like to Bubble Man a lot too. I'll, I'll get to that. I want to hear. I want to kind of hear Stephen what he thought because you know playing these two games for the first time, and kind of comparing you know the soundtracks of the games and um, you know of course like you said you and I have nostalgia bias for sure. Um, sure. Which we can you know easily point out and anybody listening will be able to. But uh, uh, Stephen, <laughs> what were, what was your take on the music for both games? Yeah. Well. Uh, you know, of course, everybody always says how great the Mega Man soundtracks are, and I know you've, Rich, you've, we've talked about Mega, the Mega Man 2 soundtrack. I know how great you say it is. Um, so when I came, went into these games, I don't want to say I was disappointed, but I think it was, it had been a little overhyped in my mind. Sure. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad at all. I, th- I still, I think it's uh, among I the don't best. Don't destroy my childhood. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> I don't know, it's, uh, still among the best soundtracks on the NES, but I still, I think I prefer, um, maybe like the Castlevania games and Final mm-hmm. Fantasy, mm-hmm. which those are kind of going back to my childhood a little bit more. Sure. So that kind of plays into that as well. As far as comparing these two games directly, um, it's really tough for me because I think they're, uh, pretty even, uh, they're pretty consistent. Um, I, I want to say overall, I think I prefer Mega Man 2. However, Mega Man 3 has that awesome opening track, which is has become one of my favorite pieces of video game music oh. uh, from any game. Okay. So I'm, I'm really torn on uh, where to give my vote on this one. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, try, I'm still trying to decide, honestly, but... Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I've never... I don't think I've ever, you know, in, in my playing it, just in a rush to play the game, um, I don't think I really listen to the intro a lot for Mega Man 3, yeah. so I'll have to pop that back in and check that out. That's that's awesome. Um, and I'd have to go that same feeling with like the intro to Mega Man 2, because mm-hmm. the intro music to Mega Man 2 is the end music to Mega Man 1, and then it kicks up right at the end. Yeah. Um, so, to me, that was like, oh, this is so awesome! <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that, and I'll tell you the wow the um, the end music to Mega Man Two is fantastic. Um, you know the uh, sort of the uh, the weapon change sort of seasonal thing that kind of goes on or uh, that that's that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad almost for yeah. a minute until it gets to like the cr- yes. the credits music, right? Yeah, yeah, and you just see this giant helmet out in the field. I don't know what that means, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like, like it's my like work at the end of Mega Man done kind of thing. Yeah, like, like at the end of Mega Man One, he takes off his you know uniform and sure. and you know it's like oh, I'm back to just being a guy. Yeah, time to go slop the hogs. 
<laughs> I'm going to go hang out with Dr. Light and roll for a while. Yeah, let's take the helmet off. Yeah. It's... Um, before before we went into this podcast, I was I was pretty sure I was going to say Mega Man 3, but before we started this, I watched a couple of Let's Plays of both games and listening to the music. I felt like Mega Man 2 was a better overall package, so I think I'm going to give my vote to Mega Man 2. Yeah, I I definitely think 2 has an edge as far as it has a lot more sort of epic and, and, and this isn't an adjective, but kind of pumpy tracks. Um, they just mm. like really get you pumped like when you're playing the game. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of talk oh, yeah. about some of our favorite tracks if, you know, I hate that we, you know, don't have like music to go with this, but, uh, you know, easily accessible on YouTube for anyone interested in hearing these tracks. But um, probably my favorite is Flashman. I really like Flashman. Yeah, that one stood yeah. out to me too. Yeah, and and I agree. Um, and Duke Duke mentioned Bubble Man. That's that's a great one too. And uh, it feels very watery. Yeah, right when you listen to that music, that da, na, 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 you know, yeah. just yeah, you just kind of have that feeling. Um, and I really like uh, Woodman's. Yes. Especially like the beginning of that, it's got that little drum beat that, and then it is—it's really like high energy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Really high energy. Yep. Yep. I like Airman as well. Um, yeah. That's a really good one, uh, and probably because I spent so much time on that stage as a kid, <laughs> I probably should hate it. Um, but <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I don't. I always start with Airman, so I'd never. I guess it, um, maybe yeah. I'm just really used to it. Yeah, I start yeah. with Airman too. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, because he goes he goes down like a a wimp. Yeah. yeah. Once you figure it out, once you once you realize that if you just hop over that first tornado and just keep firing as you're yep. going back, uh, it's an easy fight. But we had a lot of people in our playthrough um, that were having problems with Airman. A lot of people that had played it for the first time, and uh, that you surprised know, me because those tornadoes they definitely ricochet. Um, your bullets, so you know you can't hit. Yeah. So you just kind of gotta, kind of gotta figure it out. But I think um, in that battle, it's so limiting because it does, um, um, it does limit your movement. That um, it's it's a little tough to kind of figure that out. You know, and when the right time to jump is and stuff. So, but once you're used to it, like you said, it's easy. But back to music. Um, I really like Heat Man's music as well. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. Crashman, the one least. I, the one really Crashman. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I, I think I like, sounding. I like Quickman the yeah. least. Okay, out of those tracks, I can't remember that one off the top of my head. I'll have to go back and listen to it. So. Yeah, listen to it. You'll. I mean, it's not bad, but not my favorite. I, I definitely remember thinking that Crashman was the weakest. Yeah. Of all of them. Yeah, it's it's sort okay. of kitty sounding. Doesn't really. Doesn't really fit. Um, it doesn't like that's that, have that sort of epic that's that techno dun, sound. Da, 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 yes, is that that's yeah. the one. It's yeah. a little too. It's a little too cheerful. Da, da, I think. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, yeah, you're okay. weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it, but I posted a, a video embedded it into the thread about this um, band called Bit Brigade. Bit Brigade. Yes. They, uh, did like a cover uh, playthrough of the game. It was really cool. I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, I, did, I, I saw it, it like out. six times at work because I, I like have that oh. playing in the background as I'm oh, yeah. like working <laughs> during the day. I don't watch it, but I but uh, definitely have it going in the background. It, it's that's an amazing uh, video. So, um, any favorites from Mega Man Three? 
Snake Man? Yep. I like Snake Man. Yep. That's the one that stood out to me as well. Probably my favorite. Trying to think of the other ones, if they really just... That's the sad part, is I just haven't put as much time into it, so mm-hmm. the songs don't echo Absolutely. in my head Absolutely. like the ones into. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a lot else to say about that. Um, I mean, I didn't think any of them were, were really bad, no. but that's, Snake Man's was great. Yeah, I can't really recall any specific tracks, but I, I mentioned the intro, and uh, that's that's going to be my favorite from Mega Man 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably have to stop and take a, a break for a minute and listen to each track again to really kind of refresh my memory on 3. Two, uh, and With 2, they all pop into my head with no problem. Sure, yeah. Yeah, but again, I mean, it's just the same thing for me. It's just a, just a comfortability and, and pl- having played it so much, you know, you just definitely know which tracks are which so yeah certain things just end up being like almost like your anthems of your childhood to some degree you know what i mean so yeah. just you just know them they're just you know cooked into you so yeah. yeah all right so we'll move on and talk a little bit about the difficulty now there was something kind of strange about mega man 2 in the u.s is that in terms of difficulty you could play you could play normal or difficult um, and the difficult was actually the, um, from what I understand, was the Japanese version. Just the Japanese version yep. of the game, correct? Difficult is normal. Normal is easy. Right, right. Exactly. So, and they didn't get an, e- they didn't get an easy mode in Japan, correct? Rock no. Too. Yeah, yeah. They never get the no, easy they, mode. I'm sure they probably, <laughs> probably had complaints for the first one and went, well, maybe this is too hard for those stupid American kids, so let's give them an easier version. <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> let's give, let's give well, them. Well, they changed it back later. <laughs> let's give them. A, let's give them a normal mode and metal blades. <laughs> Which is so weird because some of the some games went the other way when they came here. Like, oh, we have to make them harder. Sure. Like Ninja Gaiden three. Yeah. Harder. When it got here, uh, I think the first so, two like, games. Oh of that man, are hard you're gonna take off tons of damage when you get hit. <laughs> I think the first two games in that series are hard enough. So, <laughs> to be honest, yeah, but. yeah. Um, but yeah, Mega Man for whatever reason, Mega Man Two only. But they just kind of like, oh, here you go. Yeah, I guess unless you're playing like the Mega Man Collection on like GameCube and all those, where you can dial the difficulty to like super easy, basically, <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have like a really easy mode on all those games you can play, yeah. which is. Uh, come on, that's that's pretty lame. <laughs> so I guess, you it know, in doing this easy. comparison, we really have to compare the normal mode in Mega Man 2 to the, um, um, to the, just the normal mode in Mega Man 3, you know, to be fair. I mean, we can't just, just use the difficult mode, but, um. Really? Well, I would say that's more apples to apples. Re- well, I know, but like when someone's normally playing both games or just, kind of sits down to play both games. Most people are going to go with normal. They're not just going to click on difficult to start playing the game. Unless they're steep. But if you... (laughs) (laughs) But if you put those standards out there, I mean, it's a no contest which one's harder. Oh, sure. Sure. But, I mean, I guess the vote's not which one's harder. I guess the vote is more like which one is more appropriate. Like the difficulty being, you know, more appropriate. And, I, I mean, and for that, you know, kind of for that reason, looking at it that way, I guess it's really depends on the way you look at it. I would probably go Mega Man 3. I mean, I thought, 
and and maybe again this is sort of nostalgia because I'd played two so much I, I sort of thought the the difficulty in three was you know it was a much more challenging game it really uh, you know it really tested me and uh, made me almost throw a few controllers luckily my kids were around so I didn't <laughs> having having played them plenty and I don't have that much trouble beating either one of them yeah um. Uh, you know, I guess I would say three just because there's more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do have to go through those four stages where you have to beat two bosses in the stage, but you get E-Tanks, like, no problem, so... Yeah, but don't, if, if you die, don't you have to start back from the beginning? Like, you can't just beat one boss and just start from there. You have to start that back sounds from the bad, but I can't remember the last time I died to tell you, because oh. you just eat, you just E-Tank. It's not that hard. Now you're just bragging. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm I think, serious. I, I think those levels have checkpoints in them. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but I think you when you're when like you're right out of your each um, boss. Yeah, yeah, they do. Now all of them. If you run out of lives, you'll have yeah, to start the sure, level. Yeah, sure, sure. That, and that's what lives, I meant. Yeah. You can't just beat the okay. first boss and then yeah. you know start back over. No, you're you're absolutely right. About yeah, that. that's yeah, that's pretty much. There that's are checkpoints. I think they're after each boss. I think there's a checkpoint after the. Each boss. But that's just like Mega Man 2 the same way. And like there's a halfway point checkpoint, but if you lose all your lives, you have to start over again. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I would guess I would give it to three again just because there's some more of it. But um, I think the Wily bosses in two are tougher than the Wily bosses in three. So I don't know. Probably all evens out. Yeah. Um, I Overall, I found Mega Man 3 to be quite a bit more difficult even even while playing Mega Man 2 on difficult setting mm-hmm. um, and really that kind of translated to the game being more frustrating for me and saying that I, I got more frustrated with Mega Man 3 than I did with Mega Man 2 so I guess that means I would uh, means I prefer Mega Man 2's difficulty over 3 I suppose Yeah, I would agree with you there are some pretty frustrating parts in 3 uh, and sometimes some really almost kind of cheap parts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like especially like that Snake Man where you've got those floating platforms and then the bullet guys and then you you know shoot them and they take off at bullet you. Bullet clouds, yeah, yeah. That took me a while yeah. to get past that part. Yeah, yeah. I just I, you know I get to the point where I just don't shoot them. I just avoid them. I just use Rush Jet. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> that works too. You gotta have rush jet. You do you if you have rush yeah, jet, yeah. I don't think I usually have rush jet with snake. No. I think I usually hit him probably a little earlier. I'm trying to think when I hit Snake Man, I don't know. I'd have to look back at the order again. <laughs> well, it looks like from what we've from what we've kind of doled out as far as points of the game, it, it kind of the final result would probably be that we. We probably, we probably, I know, I know, Krabby would not agree with this, and he would put up, a, he'd probably put up a fight with each point. Um, <laughs> he probably, yeah, he would. <laughs> I told him if he had time to maybe record uh, something to tell us why, like you know, Mega Man Three was bigger, better than two, and I'd put it in, but I'm, I'm doubting he's going to have time to do that. But, uh, but I, I think you know, as far as which game's better, I'm not saying we solved the, um, we we've completely solved the crisis because I'm sure there was people like Krabby that would argue to their blue in the face about which one's better. Except for Bill. I think, what does he say, five or something like that? He says four. Four, yeah, whatever, Bill. And and Krabby <laughs> and Bill are both wrong, so that's easy. 
So, you know, I think I think we would all probably, I guess, Steven included, probably agree that Mega Man 2 is probably the, the better game of the series if we, if we had to pick one of the two. Yeah. Done and settled. <laughs> Mark you know, I, uh, I, I knew we were doing a comparison, and I... When I was playing these games, I, I really wanted to like three more just so I could sort of contrast with you guys a little bit more. Sure. But uh, I just kind of went with which game I had the that was most enjoyable for me, and that was two. So. Yeah. Uh, See, yeah. Well, you made the right decision. See, he tried to like. <laughs> he even tried to like three better. <laughs> <laughs> See, Krabby, he even tried to like that one. <laughs> Uh, and I, this was my first time. I, this is my first time playing through the Famicom version. Oh, so okay. I, so that was at least Famicom fun for me. Versions. All right. I did. I played Rockman three this time, and just because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do something different this time. Yeah, I. It's the, it's pretty much about the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't have any of the Famicom games in my collection, and uh, it's one of those things. Like recently, I've just kind of been like, yeah, I should I should probably just go ahead and get that. Uh, series, um, and then there's also the uh, the rock board game as well, uh, which is sort yeah. of like Monopoly, Mega Man Monopoly, sort of like almost like yeah. Mario Party, Mega Man Monopoly sort of thing. Yeah, without like the mini game yeah, stuff. Yeah, no mini yeah. games. So, but um, there there's that as well. Well, they made a Mega Man Soccer eventually, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Talk about a game that that had a bunch of potential that, to be a lot better and wasn't. But um, but yeah um, yeah definitely I think it's something that I'm gonna try to get I'm gonna try to um, grab these games on the Famicom I just just to have them in my collection if nothing else you know I think the most expensive one's the first one isn't it I think it's, it's yeah Rockman Rockman is the most expensive yeah, yeah yeah and some of the other ones are not very expensive at all yeah which is kind of I mean comparative yeah which is kind of the same route that. Um, the the price of the NES versions have gone. You know, it seemed like it's it, probably just because the f- the first one just didn't sell as well anywhere. So there's probably not as many copies out there. Yeah, yeah. But then at at the same time, you know, it seems like when I first started collecting, it seems like five and six were pricier games than one. Oh, I think when I first five, five is five is pricey. Yeah, five is definitely the most expensive of the NES games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, one it's probably is probably five, one, one, six, four, probably three, two. Yeah, I believe that's probably right. I just recently acquired these games on the NES myself, so I'm pretty familiar with their yeah. price ranges. Yeah, even two is like thirty bucks now. It seems like just kind of nuts. I think you can still some places maybe find it for twenty five or so, but. Yeah, it's a serious nostalgia because there's tons of copies out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's no reason it should be that expensive. No, no way. Um, so I guess I wanted to maybe talk for a little bit about like maybe compare it to other like sort of platformers of the eight bit era. Um, mm-hmm. and you know kind of what was out there or anything comparable. I know that there was the um sort of the obvious game that was comparable to Mega Man on the NES, and I, I I'm trying to think I. I I'm trying to think. You're talking of, about Cryon Conquest? Yes, yes, I could not think of the name. Or Magical Doropi. Yes, Magical Doropi. That's, ex- that's expensive on Famicom. It is. That, it's one of the few games that's really expensive on Famicom and not yes. expensive on the NES. Kind of went the opposite way. Uh, yeah, yeah. They must not have made as many copies or something. You know but, about this, uh, Stephen? Cryon yeah. Conquest? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Okay, it's it's basically a Mega Man clone, except it's like a witch. 
So it's like a female. Instead of an item two, you have a broom. <laughs> it's a good game. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good game. I would say if you like Mega Man, pick up Crime Conquest. Yeah, yeah. And to hmm. some degree, like Power Blade. Mm, yeah, Power Blade 2. Sure. I think it's at least an influence for those games. Absolutely. And maybe even, to some extent, um, something like uh, like Bionic Commando. Even though there's like no jumping, that sort of platforming. I mean, it's still like sort of that run-and-gun style, right? Uh, yeah, and stage select yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... But yeah, Cryon Conquest is pretty, pretty, bl- pretty blatant. Even the car- even the sprite looks pretty Mega Man ish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes like, hey, it's more of a good thing. So, sure, don't complain. Yeah, absolutely. Give it a, give it a play. Absolutely. And from the cover art, you'd never know it. Mm-mm. No, it's like the weirdest cover art. <laughs> so, you know, um, just a, some final closing thoughts here. Um, uh, other than like, um, other than you know, now we're we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, Super Smash Brothers is really the big thing right now, and it, it's been that way for some time. And I know that uh, you know we, as we all know, Mega Man has a place in the uh, Super Smash Brothers series. But sort of other than Super Smash Brothers, um, what do you guys think is sort of going to become the? Um, um, the game's legacy or the, you know, sort of the, uh, the character's future. I mean, is this, is this something that you think we'll keep seeing more of? I know that, you know, sort of that whole 2d platforming game is sort of disappearing. Um, well, I mean, Capcom's getting ready to release, uh, Mega Man legacy collection for the new platforms. So one through six are coming back again Mm -hmm. for those. Uh, and they're going to be remastered in 1080p. Um, and Mega Man 9 and 10 uh, are still... You can still go out and buy those. Um, so I, I think there's a future there. I think there's a... I think, Mega, I think uh, Mighty Number no. 9 has maybe shown Capcom that, hey, don't forget you own Mega Man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, I think there's life in it. Um, it you know, my Mighty Number no. Nine made a ton of money um, through Kickstarter. I have little doubt that. I mean, if Capcom wanted to go that direction for some reason, Mega Man would have no problem getting plenty of money for a Mega Man Eleven. Yeah, I, will they? Will they? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just seems like it, it's a bit stagnant right now, and they're just you know they're kind of throwing out a remake, which is you know it, it, I'm not saying it's not nice, but you know, it just seems like, you know, with, with things like, you know, like Genesis Collection and things like that, it's just every time a new system comes out, you know, you're just, you're putting these things on a new system. I mean, they did the same thing with Atari, uh, with ColecoVision, um, you know, for years. Um, I don't think they're going to put any Atari titles on the PS4 or anything like that. But, I mean, you never know. But it just seems like... You know, for a while, that whole genre was dying out, um, you know, sort of the 2D platforming. And um, it seems to be sort of making a, um, seems that there's so many fans out there, especially with the, um, um, I guess it's kind of referring to the uh, the new, uh, the newest, uh, oh gosh, what was it called? Um, the newest Castlevania type Kickstarter that just funded, that just Blood blew it out of the water. Bloodstained. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, it yeah. seems like there's still 
like a real of course like desire and, and gamers out there that still want their 2d games um of course yeah they a real hunger for this stuff glad you brought up bloodstained because uh i wanted to mention when that kickstarter was still going on i uh watched an interview uh, with uh, Koji Igarashi talking about why he chose to take the Kickstarter route with developing this Bloodstained game. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said he originally went to the big publishers and they all told him that the budget he was asking for was too much and this type of game didn't cater to their core demographics. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was turned down by every single one of them. Uh, Every publisher turned him down. And uh, they just didn't think there was a market for this, these, you know, old school 2d uh, platformers. And, uh, I think uh, things like Kickstarter are just uh, proving them wrong. Uh, well, I can see that. I mean, you have success. like your, yep. I mean, you have like your EAs and your Activisions, and they're not going to be the kind of publisher that's going to pay attention to this stuff. And yep. the ones that would have are Japanese companies that are turning into mobile game developers and leaving the, you know, the field altogether. Yeah. Uh, so mm. where do, where are they to go but Kickstarter? Yeah, well they're leaving. Yeah. I feel like these companies are. I mean, I don't. You know, the heads of these companies are really leaving some money on the table. I mean, let's look at like look at Shovel Knight. I mean, there there's a direct kind of comparison to Mega Man. Um, you know, sure. You know, same layout, same design. I, I recently um, downloaded it on my PS3. They made it available for PS3, and I started playing it last night. Man, what a fun game! Great game. Um, and, um, you know, I just, I just sort of feel like it, 2D platforming is, you know, it, it's still a very, um, lovable, loves genre. And I think people are really missing out by not, you know, doing some of these games. Um, what, what was the other one that was the more recent one? There was like a Metroid sort of clone. I can't remember the name of that. Oh, um, Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge. Yeah. I mean. You know, once again, you know, another, like, game that sort of, um, you know, hit it out of the park. Um, so, it, it, that's what's really getting to be weird, because these people, these indie developers are, are going, hey, if you're not willing to make a new one sure. for the people, I'll just rip it off and sell it. And so, Nintendo could have easily made, you know, Super Metroid 2 or something and sure. made plenty of money, but they're just, you know, like, they don't, either they don't care or... You know, maybe it's too small for them. I don't know. Yeah, I guess sort of my fear is, um, you know, with 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 games these days and companies like Nintendo, is that these like really awesome and beloved characters. Um, and I'm not speaking of Mario because I mean Mario. You know, we're gonna get Mario. <laughs> we're gonna get Mario games till the company folds. I mean, that's the you know that's the iconic character uh, on that system. But, you know, these characters like Mega Man, um, uh, you know, who are in these games and, uh, you know, Samus, um, you know, you just you just kind of feel like what's the future? And I'm hoping it's not, you know, just in uh, uh, relegated to like fighting games. So, well, I think the good news, at least what we're seeing is that if the big boys aren't willing to put out the money, either Kickstarter or indie developers are. So the products will sell. It's just. You know, unfortunately, to some degree, it's just going to be more in the download market instead of the physical market. But who knows? Maybe this new retro VGS console, you know, will be able to pick some of these up and you can buy the carts for them. Who knows, right? Maybe uh, maybe if they made Mega Man into a first-person shooter, Activision would pay more attention. 
Oh, God. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> no. No, no. Call of Mega Man. And, and uh, no no, no pro- prognosticating on RF generation. Too, too much stuff that we put for April Fool's jokes is coming true these days. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it's really, uh, really creepy. <laughs> oh, It's like Big yeah, Brother's is, watching right? or something. Um, so any, any other thoughts on the games that you guys, anything that we maybe left out that you'd like to talk about or, uh, wax nostalgia on? The only thing I might mention is like how much better the Japanese art is than the U S art on all these games. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if nothing else, just Google it and look at the cover art for the Japanese Mega Man games and then be astounded at how idiotic people were in the U.S. to put what they put on the cover. It's so strange that we, for whatever reason, we're just afraid to go, like, cartoony, you know? We were afraid to have, like, a cartoon cover. Um, Well, especially, like, the first Mega Man game, it's like, okay, you could have had this great art or, like, let your cousin's friend, you know, from high school draw a picture. I heard that was drawn in one afternoon. Yeah. yeah really? <laughs> well, it was probably like by the janitor or something. I mean, I, <laughs> I think I heard before that they uh, the guy they got to draw that they just he didn't really get to see the game. They just basically sort of told him what Mega Man was, and he had to go just draw something off of that. Yeah, sounds uh, amazing. I believe that's what I've heard. I, I could be wrong, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, but look at look at Rockman's cover art, and you'll be like, "How could they have not done this, right?" Yeah, yeah. But now, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I would say is just what a real shame that we got gypped out of some great cover art. Sure, absolutely. All right, well, we'll end it there. Um, Duke, I want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, for another great well, thanks show. for having me yeah, I knew uh, I knew Mega Man was very close to your heart so as soon as uh, you know we decided to uh, look for people to maybe join us for the podcast you know immediately your name came up see if we could grab you and I knew uh, you know again I mentioned uh, Krabby um, it's kind of the great debate uh, that we always have uh, when we're texting each other it's either that or Batman versus Superman so if we ever have a Batman <laughs> versus Superman podcast uh, we'll be sure to have you both on for that I'll be eagerly awaiting my invitation to the Dark Souls playthrough podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, And hopefully uh, you'll be joining us in July for our retro playthrough uh, next month. Uh, Fokaki79 was our winner uh, of our playthrough lot, which we did uh, for the donation drive, uh, which was last December and ran into January. And uh, he chose the game for July. I let him take over um, my spot for the month. And um, it should be a fun time. We're going to be playing Golden Axe 1 through 2, 1 and 2. But I think a lot of us are going to try to play 3 on uh, since it's available on some of the Genesis collections. And I'm actually going to be playing it on the Mega Drive, so it should be a great month.
So you know it's an awesome game, Sean? Mass Effect. Are you sure about that? Uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Man, you don't have to tell me twice. I think I, uh, I let the cat out of the bag on my uh, intros last time and when we wrapped up the show last time. That Mass Effect may be my favorite game of all time, and I, we'll talk about that more as we get into it. But I've been thinking about this a lot, and I, I put it in the forum thread that, you know, as gamers, we play tons of games, and it's it's hard sometimes to say what exactly is your favorite game of all time. Some people have a definite answer, but I'm one of those people that I have many favorites, but I can't think of many games that I've played through three times, um, maybe this and Metal Gear Solid. So once we play Metal Gear Solid, I'll probably be able to tell you what my favorite game of all time right. is, but well, Mass I Effect, guess man, what for a game. Now, for now, I'm sure it's Mass Effect, and then when Metal Gear comes around, that's what your answer is going to be. Yeah, that's fair. We'll see. Yeah. No, that's okay. It's all, it's all right to have a rotating uh, favorite. Yeah. Um, so you said this was your third time playing through the game. This was actually my first time, and um, I've never finished one game and gone directly into a sequel, and um, I think I... I I um I didn't know what to expect coming into Mass Effect and it just totally blew me away. Everything about this game is is just so well done. I mean, it's not a perfect game by any means, but it's just so well done and um it's it's definitely made its way into into my, you know, top 5, top 10 list whatever. And I as soon as I finished the first game, I was ready to jump into the second. That's um, awesome. Have you yeah, that is. Yeah, started the second one, or I, I started it. Uh, oh, I'm, cool. I'm about a couple cool. couple missions in. Awesome. Uh, some some it's different. It's very different from the first game. Um, yeah, they made but some not in a bad way. Huge improvements that are very noticeable right off the bat, especially mm-hmm. if you're playing them back to back like that. But yeah, that's cool. That I, I had a similar experience, but my the first time I played Mass Effect. Actually, the first game, as soon as I finished it, I was compelled to play Mass Effect again. I actually just, as soon as the credits rolled, I started a new game and started playing it all over again, Mm -hmm. like that night. I'm sure. I can understand that totally. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that with a game before. Um, But that's, it's so good. All right, so let's talk about, (laughs) what are we talking about here? Let me pull up my notes. So is this your first? Uh, is this your first Bioware game, Floyd? This is my first, like, honest, uh, like, sit down with a Bioware game. Okay. Um, I did play Knights of the Old Republic at a friend's house around the time that it came out. Okay. And he and he and I are both pretty big Star Wars fans, so I, I was interested to see how they could incorporate. Star Wars into an RPG and, and I liked it but it's so um you can really see the uh the the D&D style uh aspects in in Knights of the Old Republic. I mean it's a very it's very traditional very very western RPG I guess. Definitely. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic is a is a good game. It's probably what you know um 
after the the Baldur's Gate games that Bioware did, Knights of the Old Republic kind of shot Bioware into the the mainstream, if if you can call it that. Um, I've actually I actually haven't played the older Baldur's Gate and the Neverwinter Nights games because I'm really not a PC gamer, but those are you know some highly revered uh, Western RPGs. They're classics of the genre, but I I honestly can't speak to them, but I did. Uh, I played Knights of the Old Republic after I played Mass Effect. I also went back and played Jade Empire, which is another great one. And mm-hmm. to anybody who has played Mass Effect or uh, the newer Bioware games, Dragon Age or anything, uh, I'd highly recommend uh, Knights of the Old Republic and Jade Empire. They're both great games, and they still hold up. Uh, I played both of them only a couple of years ago. So, yeah. Bioware makes uh, really, really good games, uh, and I would argue that their older games were better, um, including the, uh, the first Mass Effect being probably the best of the trilogy, but that's, uh, that's just my opinion. I know some people... I think everybody has a personal favorite when, in, when it comes to this series. Yeah, um, I think most they... people would say 2, which is understandable. Mass Effect 2 is incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I have a soft spot for the first one. It was one of the first, uh, I think it was the first Western RPG I ever played. So it kind of uh, stuck out to me for that reason. I had never played anything like it. And playing the game with the, the dialogue choices, uh, that was just amazing to me the first time I played it. Like being able to control a conversation, which again is something that has been in Western RPGs uh on the PC side for years, but it was something that I had never experienced and I was just blown away by it. And that's yeah. one of the things I adore about Bioware mm-hmm. games, especially mm-hmm. the older ones. So, Well, let's, let's kind of talk about um, the Western RPG versus the uh, JRPG. Cause they're, they're very different takes on, um, on the sim on a, on a one uh, game genre. Um, like I had all, I'd played a lot of Final Fantasies and, and Dragon Quest before, uh, my first, um, Western RPG. And it was, um, a really unusual experience for me because I, I was so used to, and even to this day, I'm, I'm so used to, um, sitting down and playing, uh, a, a JRPG and, and very much being, like the recipient of the story because I the way I feel is that JRPGs kind of they tell you a story whereas in the western RPGs you're you're the driving force behind the story you're kind of crafting it and tailoring it and and choosing which direction it's going to go yeah it's definitely true I I mean certainly in Mass Effect um, there's some minor and major choices that you can make that will affect your character uh, will affect other characters can kill char- you know you know characters can die characters can mm-hmm. leave your party characters can like you or hate you or you know you you're you can craft your own uh character with the morality system whether you want to be paragon or renegade which is more fleshed out in the later games that's one thing that they definitely approved improved Mm -hmm. upon in the uh second and third game in the first game is kind of just like a a meter in the pause menu whether you're paragon or renegade but it, it it affects the ending of the game to a certain extent but 
yeah. it's really how you want to role play and how you want your character to and, and from treat what people. i understand especially in the later games um characters will react to you differently depending on your moral alignment right and they'll even they even start taking um I think they do it a little bit in the first game, but your character model will start having like scars and like your eyes will turn a little bit red as you get evil or, you know, you'll be more clean cut and, you know, there's little subtle hints uh, mm-hmm. in the character models even that they change the details as you kind of craft your character through your actions. Yeah, yeah. there's there's so many nice subtleties in this game like they really uh bioware really put a ton of effort into into making mass effect um like just down to like you said your your moral alignment you will affect um how how things play out for you and it'll affect the the appearance of your character that's that's really cool um anyway so i played um i played this on the ps3 as part of the mass effect trilogy compilation uh, it was originally released uh, on the 360, uh, published by EA in 2007. Uh, I think a few... Actually, ones... I'm sorry to stop you there. I, I think the original Xbox 360 release was published by Microsoft Game Studios. Uh, I EA think you're right. didn't pick up the franchise until the second I, game. I think, I think you could be right, yeah. yeah. So thanks. For, <laughs> thank you for that correction. Yeah, so, no problem. And that would explain why it was a 360 exclusive. That's exactly right. Uh, so it was the original was published by um, uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. Um, it did get a PC port. I want to say about a year later, um, and as of mid June, it's actually available on the Xbox One via its new backwards compatibility. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. That that is really cool. I think uh, it's going to introduce a lot of new people who who missed out on this game to. Uh, to something that's very exciting. Yeah, especially with the the newest one coming out uh, in the hopefully near future. Looks good. We haven't seen much, but, you know, it's looking good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, sort of get the, uh, the uh, quick stuff out of the way. Uh, the uh, RFGen members who played this game were myself, um, Sean... Uh, Metal Fro, Eric Escapade, and Neo. Yeah, we had some really good, uh, really awesome participation. Uh, not a huge group, but the people who played the game were very uh, prolific with their posts in the forum yeah. thread. And as always, we really appreciate that. Um, you know, as playthrough hosts, like the one thing that makes this worthwhile is good participation. And I don't know about you, Floyd, but I don't care if it's just me and you and one other person playing the game. If that other person, you know, plays the game, enjoys it, writes a lot, or, you know, doesn't even, you don't have to enjoy the game. Just tell us how you feel about it. That's what makes this really fun to do. So this was a really good playthrough from that aspect. A lot of people put a lot of time into sharing their thoughts. So, uh, as usual, we appreciate that from, uh, the members of our generation. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, cause I mean, it, it, it is fun to, to play these games and just to hear another perspective on, uh, on what people are, are liking and disliking is, is, you know, really makes it that much more enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mass Effect has a very um, typical 
sci-fi plot um, in the sense that uh, the human race is kind of the new kid on the block in this galactic community. Uh, and so they're, they're not really welcomed into, um, to this new, um, galactic, uh, society of, of all these rather far more intelligent and sophisticated, um, species. So they're always, they're not a hundred percent trusted and there's a, a governing body, um, within the world of Mass Effect. Um, oh, geez, the name's on the tip of my tongue right now. The council. Uh, that's it. The council. <laughs> the council. <laughs> the council. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a uh, a normal word that you know just right, it escaped right. me. Uh, I was um, anyway. So the human race isn't really accepted into the council until um, Commander Shepard, uh, who is the commander of the Normandy, um, discovers an artifact that was left behind by an ancient civilization that's kind of become mythological in the world of uh, Mass Effect that everybody doesn't really know about. And then this race is sort of um, the reason why all these um, species have uh, come together and progressed to where they are. Um, but I, I think to wrap up this game in a nutshell, it's that every uh, every uh, fifty thousand years, uh, a race of mechanical, you know, sort of um, biomechanical—that's what I'm trying to say—a biomechanical yeah. race uh, wipes out the entire population of the galaxy, forcing uh, like a restart on the evolutionary cycle. Right. Um, and it's a little bit of like a, a population control, but you know, I, I think. Um, that might be reading too much into it. Yeah, there's but, a lot uh, of like philosophical. I mean, it's a big like theme. Like, why are the Reapers doing what they're doing? It's mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a huge like kind of philosophical question throughout the entire trilogy. So mm -hmm. to try and answer it here, it's not. There's no point, but it, it it's really more about. Well, I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, no, no. Go yeah, ahead. The what? One of the things I love about the story of the first game is that it's whereas when you get into the second and third game, and you, you'll find this as you're playing it, it's all just about saving the galaxy from the Reapers. That's all. Like it's just this huge, grandiose thing. You're literally just trying to save the galaxy. Uh, but in the first game, you have this kind of you especially in the beginning of the game, you're getting this peek into why it's happening. You're just pulling back the veil. Like it, it's kind of a cool experience playing this game again after playing the whole trilogy to kind of look back and like see what it was like before you knew what the Reapers were. And you're just kind of, uh, you know, the smaller story is to try and figure out what Saren is up to. Right. And I, I think, um, Mass Effect uses that smaller story to introduce you to that bigger, grander story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think if they said, you know, here you are, you have to save the galaxy, you know, it'd be like cliche. Well, and, that's that's the plot of Mass Effect 3. Well, that, that, is, that is the plot. Here you that, are, you have to save the galaxy. But Mass Effect um, 3. But that it, um, they 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 do it in in a very 
um, original way where it's you kind of have to you have to save the galaxy by like you said peeling back layers of of the mystery as to why the galaxy is in, in danger in the first place right right and it's really cool to kind of chip away at that in, in mm-hmm. the first in this first game with yeah. the, the help of the with the help of your crew and your 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 fellow cast of characters and you know your these weird like um, they're not flashbacks, but like those weird trance uh, things that you get when you touch the uh, artifact in the beginning of the game, and then you yeah, keep you get, having you get them. these visions. Visions. That's a good, yeah. That's the word for it. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and it's it's like almost disturbing in a way the the mystery as it unfolds, and um, yeah. So, but but at the heart of it, it's a manhunt for Saren, who is but he's yeah. You're right. He's a um, specter who's gone rogue, and a specter is somebody who's like an agent of the council who has kind of is kind of like above the law, so to speak. And the idea is that um, Saren is a specter, so it's hard to it's hard at first to kind of prove that he's doing something wrong even. And mm-hmm. um, he's brought in uh, via hologram before the council and kind of, you, you get kind of shoved off to the side, but as you start proving what Saren's up to, you eventually become a specter yeah. and you're the first human specter. Um, yeah. And Saren is actually uh, a highly regarded member right. of the specters. Exactly. So, so he, I, it, in, if there was anybody who would be uh, threatening the um, the safety of of the galaxy, he would be the last person to be, you know, on on the wanted list. Right. Which is funny because his like characterization and like his voice acting, it's like he's one of the most like thinly veiled like bad guys. It's like yeah, like yeah. he's not gonna turn, you know. Turn around you kind of meet him and you know that this guy's going to be the the main bad guy right exactly which is funny because he's he's indoctrinated like it's it like the way they they the way Saren plays it's hard to even imagine him being like this good guy like specter like the way nautilus is in the beginning before Saren mm-hmm. kills him it's like Man, these guys all seem just like evil bastards, you know what I mean? Like yeah. even before you find out that Saren is indoctrinated, it's like Yeah, you're I right. guess that's just the way they're written or the the way they were voice acted, but it's kind Maybe. of funny. Yeah. So um you have to you know, once you once you convince the council that Saren is behind all of this, you um you go on a on a manhunt for him and you kind of chase him across the galaxy, across the, the Milky Way. Um, you, you do eventually find out that things go deeper than, uh, than just Saren and he's actually a puppet for the Reapers and he's just enacting their will and, and being the agent who's, who's bringing about the, uh, the demise of, of the galaxy. And so, you know, you figure, well, if you, uh, get rid of, uh, of Saren, you know, you're, you're on the right track to saving the entire galaxy. Right, because by the end of the first game, you kind of the cat's out of the bag. The reapers are coming, and you got to figure out a way to stop them. So, mm-hmm. and then I, I, I have no idea if this was originally intended to be um, a longer franchise. Um, probably considering the way they wrote the first game, 
Yeah, but, um, I, uh, that, that's a, I don't even know. I would imagine so, though. Yeah, it's got to be. Because I mean, the way the way the game ends is sort of like you know, the world is safe for now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, like you know, it's not over. <laughs> no, no, it's not over. You've sort of you've um, deferred the crisis temporarily, but uh, the Reapers are still out there and. You're going to have to uh, fight for your survival. Yeah, and the whole end of the game is, uh, you know, what are the human? The humans are going to have to step up, and you have some choices to make with uh, Udina there, who is kind of like the, he's like the Paul Reiser character from uh, Aliens, where he's just okay, this, like yeah. slimy, wormy guy who's trying to take advantage of every situation he finds himself in. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, at the end of the game, you can kind of side with him and say that, you know, it, it, the, the way it works out is they put a human on the council and it, it ends up being Anderson. But it, you're kind of faced with this choice. And I think it just affects your Paragon Renegade thing of whether or not you want um, a human on the council and who you want it to be. But, um, well, um I I nominated um, Anderson for that role. Yeah, I, I I'm uh, not sh- I'm not positive, but I think. Oh, you, actually, no. You can make Udina. You can Udina is the other choice, right? So you can actually is. nominate him. Okay, I I don't think. I mean, who in their right mind would do that? But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know he's just such um, a unlikable character. Well, Udina is the reason you were um, uh, excommunicated from the specter community right right so you know you're (laughs) after backstabbing you i don't see why anyone would want to do something nice for him yeah exactly it's hard man i don't know about you but when i i i posted on the forum that when i play games like this i cannot force myself to be the bad guy like no matter what even my third time playing through the game like i can do some renegade stuff which is like Oh, if you want to say something smarmy instead of being polite, like I can do that, but like killing the Rachni Queen, I can't do it. The third time I played the game, I can't kill the Rachni Queen. Mm-hmm. You know, I always want to, but I, it's like I can't do it. <laughs> no, I know what you mean because even though, um, even though these are pretty straightforward um, questions that you're faced, they're they're not easy, um, easy answers, right? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going so, yeah, on a you, tangent. You, you, no, no, we're, we're sort of we're we're moving kind of nicely actually into right, cool. uh, into the gameplay because uh, player choice is is a big aspect of, of this uh, of this game, right? And that can that uh, as you said um, affects your your alignment, and you can side with uh, the Paragon or or the Renegade alignment. Was um, if you become a Paragon character. Um, that's sort of the more standard altruistic character, somebody who's uh, in favor of cooperation and diplomacy and, um, right, and doing things nice by the book. and polite, yeah, yeah. And doing things by the book and, and helping people. But mm-hmm. again, I, I, I kind of just, it, it's kind of just like a, 
a carryover, I think, from Knights of the Old Republic that was like light side, dark side mm-hmm. in this game, at least. And again, it's but it, more it's f- it's not as black and white as like a light side, dark side thing. No, I definitely think. not. And I'm I'm only kind of judging it in the context of the, the the later games where it's done better. At the time, like when I first played Mass Effect One, the first time I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like your character can be you know a a good guy or a bad guy kind not a bad guy per se but like well let's kind of get into that because like as the name renegade implies you're you're not necessarily a bad guy you're just you're playing by your own rules and you'll do whatever it takes to get the job done right If, if that means going against a council if that means going against um what's expected of you um you'll do it because it's sort of like rules, ethics, whatever, be damned. Um, right. I have to hunt down Sarah and, and, you know, I'll do it, right? Right. No, I love the... Um I love being able to do those little little things. Like I said, I can I can never do the like super evil crap, but like like when you were doing your um like the calm conversations with the uh council after each mission, did you ever hang up on them? No, no, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I actually did that like once when the uh, the Turian says something like, "You would do anything to protect the humans," and I was like, "You know what?" Like I just hit the hang up option, and it felt really right. good. <laughs> like, oh, I, I'm like, I'm sure because the th- there is um, <laughs> there is bad blood between the humans and the Turians. Oh Actually, yeah, there's there's bad blood between the Turians and pretty much everybody. Yeah. And that's what, that's another thing that's just amazing about this game. Going back to the story, it's it's not, um, you know, story and lore are two different things. And and this game has lore in spades, and they do mm-hmm. such a good job of conveying it through subtext and through the. Co- if you want to take the time to read the, the codec entries, you can learn so much about the 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 lore and the world and the oh I know I know the um, races and you know there's races you forget like you'll play the game and and only encounter like two of the um the those tall jellyfish guys I forget oh, what the, the the Elcor yeah and yeah. it's like oh yeah I forgot about those they they have like their whole they have this entire origin and their own planet and they were you mm-hmm. know they were moved or they had this, yeah. you know, the, the Corians have their like immune system issues and stuff. Like, it's so good. Like, yeah, I think it, I, the story of Mass Effect is simple in and of itself, but it's all the lore that really adds depth. And, and, and that's what people love about this game. I think just really going down the Mass Effect rabbit hole. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much color to it. it it's mm-hmm. amazing. And it, it it only gets more dense in the later games. Again, the, yeah. the, this game is a little bit easier to swallow. It's a little bit more like encapsulated. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you start playing Mass Effect 2, man, it, it's like it just blows up. And there's so much stuff to, to check out and to read about and planets mm-hmm. to go to and stories to learn and it's it's amazing it's really really awesome yeah that's that's kind of the best word for this is amazing yeah yeah um so what kind of choices did you make this is a really uh player choice driven game yeah so the 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 one i keep harping on is killing the rachni queen um 
that's a major one. The other thing is if you can talk Rex out of um, what does he do? He quits your team, or you can shoot him, or you. Um, you I think talk he can him into just calming down and and going with the program. Like those. Are yeah, that's right. right. You can you can reason with him. Right. Uh, which kind of gets you a lot of brownie points with everybody else because the yeah, Krogan are uh, are supposed to be a very hot headed race. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why they tend to work as mercenaries. Um, and, um, basically, uh, uh, Rex has a lot invested in, in this, uh, mission when you finally track down Saren. Cause Saren has found a cure for the genophage, which is, um, essentially an, an, an infection, a, a genetic, um, mutation that renders all Krogan sterile. Right. And that was created by the Salarians to keep the Krogans under control. Mm-hmm. So now Saren is using Krogans to, you know, further his means. So mm-hmm. you can basically convince Rex, like, hey, you're, you're just, just a puppet in this thing. You're to him, so yeah. don't, don't fall for it. Yeah. And that... Even the... Even though the race of uh, his race is is at stake, um, if Rex sees his species um, prosper, it'll, they'll be they'll be prospering for the wrong reasons, right, right? Right? Like there's there's nothing that's objectively good or or objectively bad. Everything sort of has a condition in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As and the the third major choice that all affect the the characters greatly in the later games is who you want to send it's actually not who you send where it's who you decide to save out of uh Caden or Ashley okay because you send yeah, that's one, right. one to go with the Salarians and then you take one with you to uh protect the bomb you eventually get mm-hmm. split up and then you can only save one of them mm-hmm. uh who did you end up saving I ended up saving Ashley. What? Um, I Why? know. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, no. Go ahead. I know. Um, <laughs> I know you're not too fond of Ashley. Um, right, and I'll, I'll but, try to explain without spoiling. But go ahead. Okay. See, you've played through this whole series, so I think you know more about her than I do. Um, but at least my interpretation of her character up to the conclusion of Mass Effect the first is that Ashley really represents the attitude that um, because humans are new in this intergalactic uh, community and that they're not well-liked by all the other species, um, she's she has some resentment just because her race is being resented, sort of, you know... Um, because her, because humans are are being misunderstood and, um, um, I guess sort of pushed outside of of um, what's essentially a, a very, very good, very protective community. She um, she has some uh, some bad blood, then it kind of comes out as as prejudice and as racism towards the people who who don't want to accept humans who are. Essentially, pretty good people, I want to say. <laughs> right. And I got to say, I got to admit that my my 
opinion towards Ashley is largely colored by experiences I had in the past with her in in Mass Effect 2 and 3, which is kind of funny, right? So I play Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, and somewhere along the line in 2 and 3, she stabbed me in the back or whatever ends up happening. And so now when I go back and play Mass Effect 1, aside from the fact that she's kind of a, a right a right wing racist type character. I also mm-hmm. remember how she like she will go on to stab me in the back in the future. So it's like I I give her like the uh Arnold Schwarzenegger like I came back in time to kill you treatment. <laughs> that's and, that's funny. And so I ended up saving uh Caden in this playthrough. So, okay. So that's um, uh that's the choice I made. Caden, uh, I actually, well, you know, since we're talking about the characters, right? Caden, I didn't care too much about. Um, I thought he was a very um, uninteresting character. I agree. He's he's kind of bland. He, uh, he just, you know, he's he's a biotic who uh, biotics are essentially. Um, um, what's what's the best way to describe them? They have they have implants that heighten their. I don't know what you call it, like psychological powers, so they can. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't biotics are, are weird. I find them very difficult to uh, to describe. Yeah, it is kind of like telekinesis powers. Um, yeah. So your strengths are either like combat, tech, or biotic. And tech mm-hmm. and biotic are kind of the same thing, but not really. Like tech. Um, is is good in the first game you're fighting mostly geth so it's you're fighting a lot of robots so it's Mm -hmm. your tech skills are things that like you know overload enemy ai or make them go berserk against their um against their allies where Mm -hmm. like um the biotics things is is kind of like telekinesis like professor x powers like right yeah you you know throwing things around with your 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 will basically that's right yeah um, which I, like, I guess in the terms of an army, they have their place. Mm-hmm. Um, but i I found Caden to be a very dull character and he kind of just, um, I mean, I know he's supposed to have an outdated version of, uh, the biotic implant, but he kind of just complains. Um, and I think even though I think Caden is this character who I think he knows he's not the best soldier. But he just wants to be the best that he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I just I didn't I didn't care much for him. I once I really didn't need to talk to him, I I kind of left him alone. Yeah, and that that's something that tends to happen in, in not just the Mass Effect trilogy, but all the Bioware games that I've played is that you you tend to gravitate. It's just like in real life when you find people that you like, you tend to gravitate toward them and interact with them more if you can. Mm-hmm. So, like, who were some of your the characters that you did like? Well, my steady team that I always took into battle was um, um, Tally and mm-hmm. Ashley, and then Ashley got replaced with uh, Liara once I recruited her. Yeah, I I mean I played most of the game with uh, with, with Tally and Liara. Tally has always been one of my favorite characters. I like Liara a lot as well. And um 
I would say don't discount Garrus because actually Garrus and Tali are, I believe, the only two characters who you can have as squad mates in all three of the games. So um, I use Garrus a little bit too because I, I, I realized for the purposes of this playthrough and like being able to talk about it, I shouldn't just use Tali and Liara the whole time. But mm-hmm. it's hard, man. I, I like Tali so much. I like that like sexy like middle eastern ish accent they gave her (laughs) and just like the mystique of the her costume and character design Mm -hmm. like i love her character i always i always have i i I did too i I think she had a very interesting character um tally is a is a corian and um corians are kind of um they're kind of like nomads from what I understand, right, um, and once uh, once a Quarian um, reaches a certain age, they have to go what's on what what, what they call uh, a pilgrimage, and um, in that pilgrimage, they're supposed to find their calling, find um, their 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 purpose, mm-hmm. and you you pick up Tally. Um, and sort of in the middle of her pilgrimage, and um, she turns out to be a pretty reliable character because she's she's got a high um, technological intelligence, and she's always sort of in your engine control room, you know, researching things. And um, but uh, she also has that high um, tech power, right? So, so she she's good to have um, for like overloading shields and. Um, uh, just kind of giving you that sort of support. Yeah, and I also found, and I um, I can't even point out specific examples off the top of my head, but sometimes you just find that as you're playing that you'll, you're, like for me, Tally was a character that I kind of agreed with her moral judgments a lot of the time because as you go through the game, the characters will try to... Um, They'll try to they'll sway try you to one sway way or another. You. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, depending on who you have in your party, they'll they'll kind of pit pit you against each other, which is kind of cool. Like uh, a lot of times, well, one I think that's will, they want to make the decision more interesting, and they want to make the decision more more difficult, right? And basically, what they are is the the cartoon devil and the cartoon angel over your shoulder. Uh, exactly. That's, that's absolutely right. Two yeah. party mate party members usually are in those situations and i i again i i think it's just like in real life when you gravitate towards a friend or somebody that you like you tend to make the same kind of value judgments that that he, mm-hmm. he or she will and that's why you know you have those kind of companions in life and that's the again just the magic of a good bioware game is yeah. the, the way that's written to make you kind yeah. of feel like these people are your friends as <laughs> as crazy and no no you're you right know, i know i know our i i feel okay saying that because i know our audience and the the people who played this game with us will be able to identify with that it's uh it's something that happens with a lot of art forms but i think in video games it's really the the interaction of it makes it uh all that more like palpable and powerful no no, you're right um and i think the uh the uh last character that we have uh on the list and and you touched uh on him a little bit is uh is garris 
Yeah, Garrus is is really cool, and again, he goes he he develops maybe the most out of any of the characters throughout the whole trilogy. Um, he seems to be a very well loved character too. Yeah, very popular. Um, he is he's one of those characters who has kind of um, strong convictions, but he's not like polarizing. Like he mm-hmm. he just wants to do the right thing. You know what I mean? And, yeah, uh, that's right. He just wants to do the right thing, and I think he's very driven by logic. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I like, he's kind of like the Mister Spock of your crew. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, you'll see. There's a there's a character who's more of a Mister Spock, but yeah. Um, when you meet uh, Morden Solus in the later games, I would call him more more of the Spock character. But Garrus, right. uh, f- f- for the purposes he, of the first game, yeah, right? he definitely fills those shoes in the first game. Absolutely, because mm-hmm. I would assume that like um, the one big example that you keep going to is um, uh, when you can determine the fate of the Rachni Queen. Um, I, uh, like I went in with um, Ashley and um, Tally, okay. and and I think um, Tally says, um, you know, the the Rachni Queen gave you her word, and that you know, there if you rescue uh, her, and she'll go back to her uh, race of Rachni, and they'll kind of they'll leave you alone. They're not going to go on another genocidal rampage again, right? Um, and then Ashley chimes in and says, but the Rachni went on a genocidal rampage. They, they, you know, decimated entire populations. How can you, how can you believe, um, what she's saying and that, that they're not going to do this again. Mm -hmm. And so that, that does, uh, make that decision a lot more difficult. I would assume that like, if you went in with, uh, with Rex, he'd, he'd approach that scenario with a lot of logic, um, you I don't know Garrus. You, or sorry, Garrus, yeah, that's yeah. right. No, Garrus, I, yeah. Yeah, I didn't I had um Liara and uh Tally at the time, so they kinda had the same basically this Liara says the same thing that Ashley said in your scenario. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how Garrus would react there, but I'm sure it would I, I don't even know. I don't, <laughs> you know, these characters are so well written that you could imagine it going either way and you would probably say, oh, you know what? He has a good point. That That's what is so, uh, so no, good every, about No, every it, character know? does bring, like every time you're faced with a decision, whoever you have on your squad at the time brings up very valid points. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So... So like it's a this is a space game. You're gonna be you're gonna be traveling through space. You're gonna be going to some really uh, far out, you know, well designed well, well designed planets might be an overstatement for a lot of them, but uh, you're gonna go to some interesting planets. <laughs> a lot of them are just kind of like reskinned deserts, <laughs> but true. Um, th- this is it's a very big game, so you kind of you can give them a pass on that, right? You, can't nitpick that you know this planet looks the same as another planet just you know red sand instead of you know green sand or whatever um what did you um what did you think of just like sort of your your hub world experience just sort of commanding the, the normandy and saying uh determining where you're gonna go 
I think I kind of like the Normandy in the first game the most. You'll find as uh, you and other people who play through the trilogy will find that the Normandy changes and gets upgraded and gets bigger and different throughout the mm-hmm. the trilogy. But I like the Normandy in the first game because it's rather simple and easy to walk around. In the second game especially, I feel like you can kind of get lost in the in the thing. But, um, you know, it, it, the Normandy being you know essentially your your hub world or your 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 station uh that you can take around and you can go to the map and choose which uh planet you want to go to and talk to your talk to your people mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of mass effect happens on the normandy yeah exactly um, that's that's where where you you can pull up the galactic map and you have that hub Right, and I liked how you just you you put your cursor on whatever planet or whatever solar system you wanted to go to, and then you kind of just fast traveled everywhere. Right, is it, it was a very efficient system. Yeah, exactly, which, and that's which got kinda... replaced in the second game, where you you kind of you can still fast travel, but there are times where you physically have to fly from planet to planet. Right, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's kinda, it, it's, and it's, you have to buy fuel. It's kind of right. I don't know. It's a lot simpler in the first game, and it I think it plays into the lore a little bit better of the mass relays themselves, which are again back to what you were saying about the the Protheans, which were that ancient race that kind of um, people thought the mass relays were built by them, but you find out that the mass relays were built by the the reapers so, mm-hmm. but um the so reapers kind of had a, a guiding hand right in exactly so basically your fast travel system is built into the lore and that's the mass relays that basically are these huge things that shoot your craft across mm-hmm. the universe in an instant or whatever it is but uh yeah, I, I like the Normandy is awesome as a as just a home base because you mm-hmm. can you can spec out all your characters, you can yep. buy weapons, you can upgrade, yep. you can talk to people, you can develop your relationships, you can romance people. I realized I didn't romance anybody in this playthrough. Did you at all or Well, I wanted to to talk about that because like I said, a lot of the Mass Effect game happens on the Normandy and that's where you really interact with your characters. Right. Um, I actually, I didn't romance anybody. I didn't really form any bonds with characters outside of, um, like mission cinematics, mm-hmm. which, you know, is probably at my loss because, uh, I'm sure you get to know your characters a lot better by kind of mingling with them on the ship. Oh yeah. That's how you get to know them biblically. If you know what I mean. <laughs> You get to know them very intimately, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I, it was kind of an afterthought to me. It's, it's almost like a cliche or a joke now about Bioware games, and even I know some of the Bioware developers have said, like, look, it's kind of unrealistic that you could just sleep with anybody who was in your inner circle. Like, life doesn't really work that way. So, I guess mm-hmm. for some people it does, but. For Commander Shepard, it seems to work that way all the time. But but I know in the past, like the romance, the romancing options are very limited in the first game. I think you can only do, um, you can only do, quote unquote, (laughs) um, Liara, Garrus, 
I believe that's, I'm not sure. There's probably more, uh, but yeah. I think Ashley might be an option if you go with a male. If you're a male, yeah, exactly, because she's she's too uptight to to go both ways. But I actually, uh, yeah, you know what's strange? I I always play as a, any game where I have a choice to play as a female character, I always do for whatever reason. And uh, it's weird because in games like this where you can romance, I only romance women. And it's not because I want to have like some sexy lesbian thing going on. It's just because I think that in my real life, I don't go around attracted to men. So when I'm playing the game, I'm not like attracted to men either. And I don't want to get into like a weird territory here, but I just... I tend no, that, to that's, just that's romance I mean, the female characters, no matter who I'm playing as. And it's weird, like, even when I play, like, I'm, I don't play Otome games all the time, which are uh, basically reverse harem, like, visual novels. But when I play they're, them, They're visual little, novels for a female audience. Right, exactly. Like, when I play them, it's a little off-putting because it's like, oh, like, romancing male characters is kind of weird to me, so... However, but at the I same play, time, you're not the demographic for that. Game, oh, certainly so. no. I, it, it's uh, I'm, I just like weird stuff. But uh, <laughs> uh, the tangent I'm going off on here is just that um, I'm always romancing female characters because that's how I roll. Right. So. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I guess you know, for some, it is fantasy fulfillment, and, and you know, whatever. If that's your thing. That's that's fine. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to judge. Um, right. But I, I think there were some male characters that were portrayed really well and and voice acted really well. Um, but I, I think the female characters just were played out better. Um, a lot of their voice actors were were a lot more interesting. You know what? It's funny to hear you say that because I always think that I'm biased that way. And again, I, I don't want to get into my own like personal uh, habits, like, but like I tend to listen to music. Like I, I prefer like female singers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I like female characters in games. I tend to play as a, a female character. But to hear you say that you like as somebody who doesn't necessarily have that kind of niche perspective that you feel like the female characters were more fleshed out and better written in this game is interesting to me because like I would say that almost as a matter of course because that's just my like bias and my preference so it's kind right. of it's kind of cool to hear you say that coming from a different I mean, perspective I think like now now this has become a really hot topic and a very sensitive topic and and it's not our place to get into that um but I think Mass Effect is kind of no uh, exception because the male shepherd is kind of just voiced as a generic, stoic, um, you know, guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's just sort of, you know, I'm I'm the commander of the ship, and you know, I'm this is my my stoic macho voice, right? Um, yeah, to a certain extent. I don't. I don't want to write it off. Mark Muir did a an amazing job as. I as think he, he is. Hale. He is a good voice actor. I yeah. I do agree. Um, you know, maybe I'm just I'm just uh, biased towards um, Jennifer Hale's work. Um, yeah, she's amazing. I, I, I think yeah. she she should be as famous as Troy Baker and uh, the other guy, Nolan North. 
you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And she almost mm-hmm. is to her credit, but like she's right up there with those guys in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. And she, she did commander shepherd amazingly through right. all three games. So I think cause I got up to a certain point in this game and I went to YouTube and I started watching videos of how things play out for a male shepherd. And the way Mark Muir um, voices him, uh, he just sounds so, uh, like, matter-of-fact, right? Kind of, this is my job, you know. I mean... Yeah. And, and again, not, not, I... Not to say that... I'm not saying that he didn't put effort into it and that he didn't... Um, right. ...make a good character. He, he made a really good shepherd right hey hey um, for what it's worth i i agree with you 100% but a lot of people feel exactly the opposite way they think that jennifer hale was kind of dry and 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 mm-hmm. just flat and they think mark Muir put a lot of heart into it so i think it's it's just a matter of preference you know i, I, mean? I guess at the end of the day it is a matter of preference right. and there is no right or, or wrong answer um either way you uh, can't you can't really go wrong both of these performers did an amazing job i would say like oh of course so of course um so can those uh those are fun tangent um yeah no i love the, <laughs> the voice acting and in, in bioware in modern bioware games in general like the dragon age games are really good too for that um I, you know, again, highly recommend all of their kind of work from this era. If, if, mm-hmm. if you want the same kind of thing, but in a medieval, uh, setting, Dragon Age Origins is really good. Same kind mm-hmm. of thing. Great voice acting, amazing, like player choice and all that jazz. But anyway, so Mass Effect, um, where are we at here? Well, I was thinking we can, uh, like, we, we've talked about, you know, using your, your Normandy as a, as a way to flesh out other characters, and that's your hub to um, determine your, your course of action by determining which uh, planets you're going to visit. Right. Um, I took the route of going uh, first to Pharos, then to Novaria, and then uh, Liara's dig site, which is on a planet called uh, Therum. Right. Um I think because I knew the game and I knew the plot and I know that you get Liara as a squad mate, I went to Therum first okay, and kind of picked her up and then went to uh, Pharos and, and the other one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get those three planets. That's that's where you can kind of plot your own route through the game. But I wanted Liara as soon as I could get her. So I went straight for her. Yeah, that's fair. Because you're, you're playing with... Um with a lot of uh, knowledge of the game going into it. Um, right. And like me coming in fresh, um, this seemed like the best course of action. Yeah, and it uh, works for you. What, I what, mean, there is no best course of action. It's just, it's however you want to, you know, go through it, you know. Yeah, and um, I think um, Metal Fro mentioned that he went first to Novaria, then to Pharos, and then to Liara's dig site. Right. And so I would assume that since we all did different routes, um, the the difficulty level and the level of the enemies would be adjusted to what you are at the time that you reach that planet. Because there, there is no, like, this is the first place you're supposed to go, this is the second place you're supposed to go, and so on. 
Right. And I'm sure people have analyzed it a little more deeply than we are right now, but I'm, you can go any, you could do it in any order. Uh, I'm almost mm-hmm. certain of it. Especially for me on my third playthrough, I, I, I put on the forum, I, you know, my character's in the, was in the 50s level wise and I just right. had infinite bankroll and the most powerful weapons and armor in the game. So it was just, for me, it was a non-issue and a, I was right, just gangster in my way through the whole game. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit different for me, but I remember the first time not knowing uh, exactly. I, I don't remember what I did, but I, I'm pretty sure I didn't get Liara first in my first playthrough. So. Right. Well, I, I, I assume that uh, Pharos would be the best first step because when you're uh, presented with these three options, they give you a little bit of um, a breakdown of what's happening at each location. And, um, uh, the council says that on Pharos, there, uh, which is like a mining, um, industrial planet, um, there's been Geth sightings, and, um, I think the Geth have gained control of some of the, the, uh, industrial sites there. And everything up to this point had been like Geth bad, pretty much everybody else good. Right. Right. So I thought, you know, like this is a this is a threat. Um, I should go there first. Then I can go to Novaria because they're just like a research station. And there was uh, an Asari um, diplomat or something like that who um, who's gone missing or whatever. So, you know, that's that didn't seem to be as pressing. And then uh, once again, on Liara's uh, at Liara's mission, it was just somebody who. Uh, who has gone uh, missing? Who needs to be found? So I kind of, it, I I set up this priority list, and and that's how I approach things. That's cool. And for me, I I actually I just remembered I always do Pharos last because I tend I tended to find that one to be the most pain in, pain in the neck out of the three, and uh, I actually didn't have nearly as much problem on this playthrough i think i kind of cruised right through it but Mm -hmm. i remember even the first first two times i played through getting lost a lot and i i even put in the forum like be careful because there's like it very seldom auto saves if you're depending on how you're playing it and how much time you're taking with the combat um well on on pharos um because that's that's a very combat heavy um part of the game i think yeah um i that's where i learned the hard way to save often oh yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um, that's what happened to me the, the the first time i played the game i i think i lost like literally hours of progress i believe dying that and going back to a auto save mm-hmm. and i was like holy crap at least in in Pharos, you you're gonna clear one hallway of enemies, turn around a corner, and there's another wave of enemies. Right. Um. Uh, Novarian, not so much. Um. I mean, there is a lot of combat in Novaria too, but it's more sparse. Yeah, Novaria is more about the like odd political situation there and the the way the syndicate is kind of running things and it's kind of like the wild west and uh it's kind of a cool political situation that you Mm -hmm. have to maneuver through so that's more of a less combat more of a role-playing uh challenge and definitely uh, um it's funny you should say that you got lost um in pharos because i actually got lost in novaria 
on the um, peak peak fifteen uh, research base. Okay, you you mean like the, driving to it? No, no, driving to it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, just I mean, once I was in the base itself. I'm trying to remember. I don't think. Oh, because you have to find the hot labs and all that stuff, and certain yeah. parts of it are not open to you. Yeah, yeah, I could see how things things that aren't open right off the bat. Um, right, right. It's a very um, the layout of that place is pretty confusing. It's very very maze like, but then that innocent. I like. I have to give it credit for a good level design because it is. It's a research base, and it's supposed to be. Um, I don't know, almost like almost like the movie Alien, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just going to say that part almost reminds me of uh, the Ishimura from Dead Space, which is kind of like a that's like a mining uh, ship, but it's the same kind of thing. Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a crew quarters and labs and you know mm-hmm. research and all this other stuff that kind of reminds me of of Peak Fifteen. Yeah. So. And then uh, Liar's dig site um, had its own challenges. It was it wasn't too hard to find um, the actual mine where Liar is um, trapped, but you get uh, you encounter really um, menacing Geth enemies there. Yeah, there's Those, some Geth primes and the Geth. What is the one that's huge? I think they're called Geth, uh, Geth Colossi or something. Yeah, like yeah, those are pretty hairy if you're not really prepared for them. You got to really those, chip um, away from a distance. Yeah, those um, the the heavy turrets. Yeah. I can't remember what they were called. Were were very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at, there's one point where you can open um, two gates, and if you open the wrong one, you're kind of going head first into, you know, three turrets or something like that. So that was that was challenging. That was that wasn't fun. And, uh, that was another place where I lost a few hours due to um not saving enough. <laughs> yeah, speaking of uh opening gates and driving around, can we just talk about the Mako real quick? Yeah. Because you, you know don't what? like it. I, I like it. I still like it. I think it's a great it's, it's something different, man. I mean it, it People knock the controls, but it controls exactly like the Warthog and Halo, and you don't hear people complaining too much about that. Everybody that's loves exactly that, true. So I think um, I I'm a big fan of the Mako, and I'm you know a lot of people said oh so glad they got rid of it, but I I miss it. I love it. Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> the first time that I had to drive the Mako was was a nightmare for me. Um, oh yeah. And just trying I, to figure out how to do it is that is that what you were having trouble with, or just sort of keeping it going in a straight line? Yeah, um, no, it's tricky when you have those kind of dual. When the stick moves the camera, and and that's where you go, it's it, it's kind of hard to get used to that. Especially, it's sort of like even if you're not necessarily pointed in that direction, the camera if the camera's facing in that direction, that's where you're gonna go. Right, exactly. But once you get um, used to it, it's pretty good, right? No, no. Once I got the hang of it, <laughs> I, I did. Um, I can't say I ever completely liked it, but I stopped disliking the Mako. Right. Oh, that's cool. Um, no, at at the very beginning, um, on on Pharos, I, I hated it. You know, I thought, oh man, if there's any more missions with this thing, I, 
I don't know how I can play this game. This is this for me is the worst part of what otherwise is a fantastic RPG. Right. Um, and I just I, I I I didn't want to have anything to do with the Mako initially. Um, but once I kind of got the feel for it, and once I realized that I don't I didn't have to really engage every enemy that I came across. Yeah, that's while in the true. Mako. Right. Right. Exactly. Especially on Pharos, uh, you you just want to. You kind of just want to blast by them at a certain yeah. point because there's just so damn many. Mm-hmm. Like you can run over enemies and get some XP for that, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are other enemies that you can just drive right past them and they kind of they don't follow you. So mm-hmm. you know, that's um, just you you make a beeline for your objective and just you know, pedal to the metal and you go right. 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 Um. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's about it for uh, in terms of all the locations. I mean, did you have? Uh, well, there's still the Vermeer Vermeer um, uh, complex. Yeah, uh, you know Vermeer. The the cool thing about Vermeer is, is it's really nice. It's kind of like a this tropical beach kind of looking mm-hmm. destination, which is a really good contrast to like you were saying the the deserts and the the lava or the ice or, you know what I mean? The kind of cliched planets that you had been to previously. So you get to, uh, I believe I said I was like vacationing in Vermeer when I ended up playing that part of the game. I said, you know, in the forum thread, because it's, it's very just like tropical and nice looking. It's a very, it's a very idyllic and and pretty place. Sunny, nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I thought when I when I got to that part, I thought you know if there's anywhere that if I could live within the Mass Effect universe, it'd be here. Mm. Um, then I mean, I guess there's there's Saren's base there, but that's sort of uh, it's interesting. Um, it's you know kind of it's what you would expect of just you know uh, of your arch nemesis's base, really. Yeah, and you're you're only there kind of briefly, depending mm-hmm. on how fast you work your way through it and get to where the bomb gets dropped off. You can, I mean, the base is yeah, is a very brief did you part of did the you game. free the Salarian prisoners? Um, I don't remember. You know, it's funny. I remember it now that you say it. I don't think I even did that this time, one way or the other. Don't you? Do you have to talk to somebody to trigger that? choice um there are ones that are being held in um uh well they're all held in these cells but there's ones that are being held in in an area that i think they haven't been indoctrinated yet Um, okay so you can you can uh set them free before you plant the bomb Right, right. That sounds vaguely from... I mean, I certainly would have released them if I had that choice, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, There are... Then there are some more, a little bit later on, not too far ahead, that if you release them, they will turn on you. They're kind of just trying to to manipulate you into letting you release them so they can they can attack you. Right. I do remember Uh, that from a previous playthrough. I think I was um, just kind of blasting through it so quickly mm-hmm. i didn't even engage with those uh choices so yeah there's the uh the genophage uh research lab which once you once you take the elevator down there everyone sees you 
pulls out the guns and it's just you know massive firefight. Yeah, that's but that's a, that's a scripted or a mandatory plot event in there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's about it for um for all the locations. Um. Enemies are are basically indoctrinated um, Asaris and Salarians um, and uh, Geth, of course. Um, and some Krogans. Not, not too much. Some end. Krogans too, yeah. yeah. Not too much in the way of bosses. Um, they're all sort of uh, more difficult versions of indoctrinated characters. True. Yeah. And then you have Saren himself, which is then the you have Saren himself, yeah. And uh, one of the things we talked about on the forum is that there's a speech option where you can actually either, because the Saren boss fight can potentially have two forms. The first form is where he flies around on his like little surfboard thing and shoots at you. But you can actually bypass that by either convincing him to... What, can you just talk him out of fighting you? Is that the paragon? You, you option? essentially, yeah, that's a paragon option. You okay, can, you can charm him. Which I, I thought that was a ridiculous um, name for an option. <laughs> they should have just called that like persuade or something. Yeah, what I actually love to do is you can take the renegade option and convince him to kill himself, which is amazing and awesome. And it's one of those like holy crap moments that. C- only Bioware can do, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I'm sure. wow, I can talk the final boss into killing himself. Like, how cool is that? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I love it. I love it so much. But you still have to fight his second form, which is kind of like this. He mutates and his, like, robotic side kind of takes over and he becomes mm-hmm. this, like, walking dog kind of robot skeleton-y thing, which runs around the room and... That's your yep. final boss, and once you kill him, it's it's the cutscenes that it's open it up for the end. sequel. Yep, uh, you do fight Saren also on his base. Um, that's true. That's really that, brief. Again, you're just kind of shooting at him on his surfboard until you get his health low enough, and then he flies mm-hmm. away. So yeah, that fight went really easily for me because Saren got stuck on a part of the level. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's fun when that happens. Yeah. Especially if you're having a hard time leading up to that. He wasn't too tricky. He was just, you know, he's pesky, kind of just flying around, buzzing around everywhere. Right, right. Um, the the second form of that, like, um, biomechanical uh, Saren was a lo- lot more difficult. Um, yeah, definitely the first a, time, a good The first boss. time I had my butt handed to me. Oh really? Yeah. Um, second time, uh, my game froze in the middle of that battle. Oh man! And, and the third time, I approached things more strategically and um, a little more calmly because I, I that part is a very, very frantic moment. Yeah. I mean, you just come out of uh, um, like a. a like a tower defense style wave after wave of enemy climb to the top of the citadel. Um, then you can either, whether you fight Saren's first form or not, the second form is crawling all over the place and shooting these projectiles at you. Um, so it's very fast paced, very frantic. Um, 
And that's one thing that I really learned about the combat in this game is never to get too tense, right? Like you, you always have to approach things calmly and slowly. Right. That's, that's, that's also what, uh, Metal Fro said on the, on the forums. Yeah, definitely. We talked about the, the combat a lot in the forum thread and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things I had said was, um, you know, this game looks like a shooter, but really it's an action RPG. So you have to mm -hmm. kind of keep in mind that your shooting is kind of based on your weapons and your your character's level and his or her accuracy rating. So mm -hmm. it's not it's not pinpoint shooting. It's not Gears of War. It's actually an action RPG where your attributes uh, play play in largely uh, into whether your shot will land or not. So. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely right. That's one of the, the major uh, gameplay elements that, you know, we didn't really touch on earlier is actually that the combat is, um, I, I, you know, a lot of people call it clunky and they say it's hard to go back to, but then those same people will complain that EA, you know, shooterified the Mass Effect series, you know what I mean? So... I I, think, I actually really like the combat in this first game, and I'm one of those people who would say that EA kind of made it just, it is more of a Gears of War clone in the second and third game. But, uh, yeah. Um, they, they definitely ramped up the action scenes, or at least from what I've experienced in the second game. Um, and they, they simplified uh, the RPG elements. Right, right. I know the the weapon uh, system, the upgrades, the inventory, all of that stuff really got stripped down for was, the yep. second, and especially the, wait till you get to the third game. There's like nothing to it, man. Really? Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. But yeah, I, well, I missed that when I was playing the second and third game. Like again, a lot of people said the the menu weapons were really, or the weapons menu was really cluttered in the first game. And it's like, man, I I missed that when I started playing the second and third game. I love that kind of stuff, like sorting through, picking my best weapon, putting the upgrades on it, and all that. Yeah, stuff. I have like, I have no problem with that too. It's part I'm, of the fun of the game. I think. Maybe maybe it's just because I. I just, I love those RPGs so much, so I have no problem just sifting through lists to find the best item for the task at hand. Right, right. So, that's about all that, uh, I mean, there's a lot more that we can say about Mass Effect, but uh, to keep things relatively short and sweet and, you know, sort of give our two cents, um, I'm really happy that I was able to play this. Um, I... It's it's a game that I wanted to play for a very long time, and I'm so happy that I finally finally got a chance to sit down with this, because um, it's it's such um, a captivating, um, rich story, and I've I've started the second game already, and I'm I'm pretty excited to get through that and get to the third game, and now that there's been an announcement that there's a fourth game in the series, even if it's its own um, story. I mean, that's totally fine. The whole universe of Mass Effect has really got me hooked. That's awesome. And it, it, the more you talk about it and the more I think about it, it really makes me want to play the second game and the third game again. But I know that 
one of the one of the many things I love about the first game is how short it can be if you just play straight through the main plot. You can finish the game in under twelve hours. And the, I know the second and third game are much more of a bigger time investment. And especially by the time I was playing the third game, I was I didn't one hundred percent it, but I did like every side mission that I could find, and uh, it had like kind of an addictive quality to it. And I'm not sure I'm ready to make that kind of investment. But man, it is really. I'm looking at my shelf right now. I'm really tempted <laughs> to just grab Mass Effect Two and pop it in and start messing around with it. But I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I am, I was so stoked when you picked out this game to uh, host for the month of June, and uh, like when you picked it out, I was so excited because it's one of my favorites, and it's just one of those games that I will probably be playing over and over and over again for as long as I play video games. I just love it so much. It's one of the all-time classics. I think it's one of Bioware's best games. I think it's the best in the the mass effect trilogy um it's just such a good story it's it's uh the gameplay is wonderful for all its warts and flaws and the things that a lot of people don't like about it i really love like the the quirks of the combat and the mako and um you know yeah, the, like, the like, elevator like loading screens like people make fun of the you know that when you go into an elevator how your your squad immediately forms into a triangle and just stands perfectly still like that's kind of a a joke of the 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 franchise but i yeah, I, I just love that stuff it's charming I, to me i i didn't mind it cuz like especially on the citadel you'd get little um narrations from like news reporters and stuff right um, right the the funniest thing that uh that i remember hearing in an elevator was um that the elcor are putting on a shakespearean play and they want the audience to judge the characters not based on their emotions but based on logic <laughs> right right i remember hearing that too i thought that was yeah. kind of funny yeah but yeah this uh this game is just awesome. All-time classic. One of my favorite games of all time, if not the favorite game of all time of mine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's um, there's anything else that uh, that we can say. Like like we said, it's, it's not perfect, but where um, Mass Effect does do things right, those areas really outshine any flaws that it might have. Yep, and I, I would say if you've if you've played Knights of the Old Republic, try Mass Effect. Uh, we had uh, our friend Noise Redux on RF Generation. He didn't join us for the playthrough, but he actually mentioned, "Oh, I just played Dragon Age Origins. I would probably like this." And I would say, "Yeah, you, if you like Dragon Age Origins or any other, you know, Bioware game, give Mass Effect a try. If you like rich." deep stories and a good adventure try mass effect if you like western rpgs try mass effect if you Mm -hmm. like (laughs) if you like good gosh darn video games play mass effect yeah um so if you had to give this game a score out of 10 a hundred million out of 10 a hundred million out of 10 um No, I would. I if I, you know, I'd give it like a nine or a nine point five out of ten. Like, like we said, not the not the perfect game. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Sin and Punishment Star Successor is the perfect game. This is, this is <laughs> <Yeah>. not <laughs> quite the perfect game. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it gets like the highest rating that I can intelligently give a video game. Yeah, I think um, I, despite um, what felt like for me a very slow start, but once... Once you become a, a specter and the world opens up to you, it's it's a very um, deep and, and satisfying game. Um, I'd say for me tonight. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about this game, and uh, I think I think I might have to go play Mass Effect Two now. Cool, man. Uh, let may I plug the game for july you may all right cool so if our listeners uh, want to log on to rfgeneration.com go to the community playthrough section of our forum i will be hosting a game called warhammer 40k space marine for the playstation 3 xbox 360 and pc uh released by thq before they dissolved a couple of years ago this is uh a third-person run-and-gun shooter, but it's also a God of War-style melee game. So it's actually a blend of God of War and Gears of War. And I'm about halfway through it now, just prepping for the playthrough. And it's, uh, it's a really fun game, and uh, it's really cheap. Uh, you can pick it up at GameStop for under $10 or get it pretty much anywhere, a used copy. Um... So yeah, uh, check it out. Check out some YouTube gameplay of it. I think uh, it'll be attractive to a lot of people. And uh, come and join us. It's a really cool, fun game. Definitely. Awesome. Um, So yeah, thank you everybody for uh, listening. Um, Thank you, Sean, for joining me. And I guess we will see everybody next month. Right on. And that'll be all for another episode of the Playcast. Thank you for listening, and a very special thank you to everyone who joined the playthroughs, and once again, a huge thank you to local celebrity and all-around good guy, Duke Togo, for returning to the show. Before we wrap up the show, I'd like to issue our first official correction. During the modern segment of this episode while discussing Mass Effect, Floyd and I confused the Hanar species with the Elcor. On behalf of the Modern Playthrough crew, I apologize to both the Elcor and Hanar populations for our mix-up. Remember to visit rfgeneration.com to participate in our playthroughs, discuss the games, or leave feedback about this podcast. Join us next month in our playthroughs for July 2015, in which Rich will be hosting Golden Axe 1, 2, and 3 for the Sega Genesis, and I will be hosting... 
Warhammer 40k Space Marine for PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast. Thank <laughs> you.